Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being back with us here for episode 239. It is Monday, September the 13th, 2021. We're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata. I am joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Quinn, in this episode 239. 239! Thank you very much. There and- it is. You got it. I'm not doing it anymore. You have for to this, do it. For this episode. Oh, whoa, Really? Well, wow. okay. Well, we'll have to see what happens, You know it's going to happen during the segment breaks <laughs> it, or whatever. It probably will. Uh, but folks, thank you for taking a break and listening to OVP. We're glad to be back with you here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We're winding down the season and winding up September here. So we have some great topics in store for you, we think, we hope. But before we get to any of that, we want to remind you guys, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast on Twitter. We occasionally have clips, but it's not all clips all the time. No. Don't get your hopes up for the clips. Yeah. Just go there for the fun. It's a fun area. It is a fun it's area. It's not much clip area anymore. Too, not too much clips. Maybe gifts. There's that's a gift got, here and there. some movement in it. Yeah, there's some movement. So why don't you move on over to at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place if people want to talk to you and me and over 1,200 other retro wrestling fanatics is where? Over at Facebook.com slash movement. Yes, it's of course. It's a place where things move. Yeah, there's a lot of movement. <laughs> oh, there's movement, all right. <laughs> the movement happens there. And What do you do to get there? Well, you look for the search bar, of course. Oh, okay. The, the movement search bar. The movement search. You type in that search bar, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, big bang, boom, tubes, gork, fluid. You hit the join group and you're in. And you're in. And all you're agreeing to is one rule with this group and one rule only. Which is, don't be what? A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. And all that means, all we mean by that, is if you want to join the group and talk about old wrestling with a bunch of other like-minded retro wrestling fans, you can do that. You can come over to the group and talk about and debate and discuss retro wrestling. The only thing we ask you is if you're going to disagree, don't be a dick. Just don't. Just be nice. It's a nice place. That's all there is to it. You know, you don't have to agree on everything. We don't expect you to. But if you're going to disagree, don't get into, like, personal attacks and things like that. Just have fun discussing the old wrestling. Do that on Facebook. Really, give it a shot. See what you think. And if you don't like it, just leave the group. It's it's okay. You have options, really. You do. You You have options options over there. So that's our Facebook group. And also, one more thing. If you like the WWF pay-per-views and you like OVP, well, we have a deal for you. It's called Patreon. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. It's where Quinn and I have reviewed every WWF pay-per-view since WrestleMania, the first one. Currently, we're on Survivor Series 93, Quinn's favorite. And next month, we'll be kicking off a new year, Quinn, 1994 with the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's always darkest before the light, right? That's correct, Quinn. So if you want to check those out, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Every WWF pay-per-view review from WrestleMania until Survivor Series 93 is there right now. Michael? Yes. This is the penultimate episode of the, the season. Penny, the penny ultimate. Yes, the yeah. penny ultimate, episode 239. You don't have to say it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what we've been doing all season long 
is talking about those people in retro wrestling that in some way or another were integral to or shaped the product that we all know and love. We've talked about Barry Darso. We talked about Jimmy Hart. We did. As a songwriter. We've talked about Paul Bear. Talked about, about a lot of different people. And these aren't people you'd find on your Mount Rushmore necessarily, like your Steve Austin, your Ric Flair, your Hulk Hogan, or things like that. These are the under-the-radar contributors. These are maybe the underappreciated personalities. These are the unsung heroes. Well, Quinn. Well, we picked a good one, I think. We for, did for two thirty nine. Well, I mean, here. he's related to the canon. He is related to the canon. The person we're talking about, folks, is Don Morocco. When I sit here, I want to pick my nose and yawn and just go. Oh, he's boring. Yes, Donald P. Donald P. Morocco, the magnificent Morocco, sometimes known as the Rock. Mm-hmm. Again, why is he an unsung hero? I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. That's true. He is a two-time Intercontinental Champion. This is also true. He's known, right? Very known. Here is why I think he's an unsung hero, and I'm going to get your thoughts too, Quinn. When I started watching old wrestling, you didn't hear too much about Don Morocco. Not at all. Right? I never even mentioned him. I knew of him for a long time as the really big guy that was a face with superstar Billy Graham mm-hmm. in that brief year or so that he, they were he was together. A rock. The man who lifts condominiums off his chest. The man who carries battleships on his back. Or he was kind of like the opening match guy at WrestleMania 2 and 3. Yeah. He was never really touted as anything other than a former Intercontinental Champion. Yeah. And we didn't really get to hear too much of him talking in that era. No, not at all. Other than that weird insert at WrestleMania 2. <laughs> yeah. April 86. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not even, they don't even show him. It's so good. Yeah. Nassau Coliseum, April 86. Don't forget the sinister Mr. Fuji in my corner. <laughs> Nassau Coliseum, April 86. But Quinn and I have now gone back and we have watched every episode of Championship Wrestling since January of 82. And right now we're in March of 84. And Don Morocco is an unsung hero of that era as well. Big time. Here's the thing, and I think this is what really marks him as an unsung hero, is that because of his time when he was the top guy, I mean, he really was. He was one of the top, yeah. In about, you know, from 81 to 83. Yeah, on and off. On and off, right? Because that was before Hulk came, like, nobody remembers. Like, they just act like that never happened. Because that's the Smokey Bars era that they always try to downplay. Right, yeah. You know, that's the old-timers era. That's the Vince Sr. era. That's the Backland era. Right. But this guy's, like, from the immediate past. He's, like, right next to it. He is one of the best things about 1983. Right. And 1981 when he comes in, also, Mm -hmm. by the way. How prejudiced can the WWF be towards the magnificent Morocco? Robbed of the world title, now, unwarranted, without reason, without cause, another title defense. Don Morocco, and we're, we're not here to recap his whole career. I mean, he started wrestling in the early 70s. Right. He was not even, like, new whatsoever. Well, you can, the thing is, you can tell that he's, like, he's in his prime kind of thing, so he has to most likely have 10 years yeah. under the belt by the time he's anything in yeah, WWF. Pretty much, right? You have, like, you can't be that good just, like, walking in the door, right? That's, it's that's, rare. that's somebody that you can tell has been doing this for a while. Yeah. 
He had been, uh, he was in his early 30s when he was the Intercontinental Champion both times. Mm -hmm. And he had wrestled all over the place. He was in the San Francisco territory. Right. He was in the AWA. He was in Florida. He, he pretty much just toured all over the place, you know? Mm -hmm. And then he landed, he was in Georgia. He landed in the WWF the first time in 81. And I'm really excited about this match because my fans in Washington, this is disgusting. The fans in Washington are my favorite fans all over the country. And I love the people in Washington, and I know they love me. And I really enjoyed defending my title there. Memorably had a feud with Pedro Morales for the IC title. Right. Won it, lost it back to him. Left, <laughs> went over to Mid-Atlantic, and then again in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Came back to the WWF in January of 83. And this is specifically where I think might be one of the best periods of his career. Yes, eighty three is like it's so good. What makes him good, Quinn? What okay, is it? So it's a it's a couple of things. First of all, it's like the environment that he enters. Like everything is stagnant and shit. Pedro's the IC. Pedro's the Intercontinental Champion. Bob Backlund's boring it up over here. It's like the worst year of Bob Backlund, like without question. Eighty three is the worst year. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. In this battle royal, I'm going to be wrestling the winner, and there's a lot of great names in there. You got the Strong Bulls. You got uh, uh, the Samoans. You got Eddie Gilbert. Who cares? And so here comes Don Morocco, and he's kind of like this douchebag, and he's got like a chip on his shoulder because he was the IC champ like right before he left. Yep. So he's been gone for like a whole year. Yeah. And he comes in here, and he's just like, I'm going to win the title back. Everyone sucks, and like, <laughs> I'm Don Morocco. Fuck you all, right? And he just does it. Like, it's a heel who says something, and it actually happens. So that's <laughs> that's number one. Yep. <laughs> like, that's that's the first thing, right? So he just comes in, and he's like, I'm the only, and he, and he wins. He just beats the shit out of Pedro, like, immediately, and just wins the title. Yeah, like a month in. <laughs> right, yeah. After that, he's, like, cutting promos every week. So this is the number two aspect, is, like, he's always on the mic, and his promos are good. Like, everything is good. It's always, like, very, it's got this, like, casual but thought-out style to it. And sometimes he can get intense. Other times he's just kind of... <laughs> He's just kind of being fat and babbly and, and just like silly and silly and being a slob. Yep. I have a whole recording of Pat Patterson's interviews, a recording of his wrestling matches, a recording of Pat Patterson's most exciting moments. And I play them every night before I go to sleep because they put me to sleep. The next thing, his antics in the ring are always great. He has this kind of nonchalant attitude about wrestling because to be honest with you, 99% of the time, he's fighting fucking jobbers Correct. that look like they couldn't even, like, run well or, like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not even capable of anything. Like right? me. Yeah. I'm just, to me, making the point is, like, they don't look physically fit. No. Let's put, that, right. put it that way, right? Yeah. And the funnier part is Don Morocco doesn't look physically fit, but he's bigger than them. Oh, yeah, of course he he's is. He's bigger than them, and he just kicks the shit out of them. Sometimes he lets them do something, but most of the time it's just like a, an ass beating. But it's also like an ass beating with like no effort. Very cavalier, very yeah. nonchalant. Almost to like rub it in their face how bad they are. That he doesn't even have to try. There's a time he literally ate a sandwich while wrestling a squash exactly. match. Yeah, that, that type of that shit. makes the point. Pat, you have got to be kidding. Now that's the kind of man, Morocco. Look at a cocky attitude. Do you believe that? Had, it looks like he brought his lunch with him, Albano. He's having a snack. That's generally his style. It's not that he has a sandwich every week, but I mean, like, <laughs> that, he, that he's generally he doesn't give a shit. 
And one of the great things about him, too, is there's no one else like him in the WWF at that time. Right. He's very unique. He's almost a cool heel because he dresses kind of cool for 83. He's mm-hmm. usually got sunglasses on, like different weird attire so when he's, he's doing like, his promos. He's always got either like a jet shirt or yeah, like a, right. like sometimes he wears like a suit, whatever. He, he's just... A he's, whatever he fucking feels like yep. that day, it just adds to the cool factor, right? He does have a cool factor. And then he picks a, f- a fight with Jimmy Snuka for no real reason. Yeah. Just so to be a jerk. There's this incident, basically. In, in, in this incident, Don Morocco does have a suit on. And he comes yes. out... And and he get he sticks his nose in like Jimmy Snuka's for match no for reason. like I don't really understand why. Oh, I know why because he was on Roger's corner and Snuka's match started while he was on it or something. Something wasn't like it? that. He's got the nerve to walk in during my time when the champion is here. Also, it has to do with the Lewis connection, Captain Lou. Yep. So Captain Lou, if you don't know, if you didn't watch the canon. He fucked over Jimmy Snuka with his money. Right. He was his manager previously, right? And Buddy Rogers pointed it out. <laughs> right. And so right around this time is when Don Morocco comes in with Captain Lou as his manager. So now there's this this obvious, like, now this is Captain Lou's new big single star yep. with Jimmy Snuka, his old single star, who Captain Lou hates Jimmy Snuka, oh, yeah. like, after this. Can't stand him. He cannot stand him. So there's this natural, like, this is kind of what gravitates Morocco into the feud. And then- yep. Jimmy Snuka rips all his clothes off in like this moment where you have to understand, folks. In 1983, like it's very uncommon for things to actually happen. Nothing on the show. happens. Yeah, nothing. Most happens. of the time, right. right? Nothing. So when something does happen, like two real wrestlers confront each other, beat the shit out of each other, maybe his clothes get ripped <laughs> yeah. off. They have to split them up with all these people. Macrovera is involved. Gorilla Monsoon, maybe, yeah. or is that something else? There's, I don't a, remember. there's tons of people out there, right? <laughs> Every jobber. This felt like a big deal. Oh, look at that! Unbelievable! Snuka with the Rocco, ripping his coat apart! Snuka! Snuka, hiding away on the Rocco! And this is the thing. Before this, nothing fucking happened. Like, Don Morocco, like, brought life. He, yes, exactly. He yeah. was a breath of fresh air, seriously. Uh-huh. So that's one reason why he's an unsung hero. This goes into, obviously, the Snuka feud... Which is a great feud. It's what the highlight of 1983 television in WWF. Right. It really is. It's not just the moment you guys know. The the cage in yeah. October. No, it, there's more to it than that. But the best part in my mind, Quinn, and you're the one that brought this up, Morocco never backs down. Yes. So this is something we noticed after watching. Most heels like of his type are chicken shit. Yeah. Well, 99% of the yeah. time. Like, of like his type, this casual, I'm so good, blah, blah, blah. But when you confront them, they're yeah, like, they back off. oh, no, yeah. no, right? Morocco is unique in that regards is that he's like, no, no you want to fucking fight me? <laughs> right. Like, I am better than you, right. asshole. Like, Jimmy Snuka, the way they hype him before this is that he is to be feared. Right. Like, he is... He's no fucking joke. He will jump off the roof to fight you. He doesn't care. Yep. Right? And Morocco gets in his business. And after this, you think, like, initially after the clothes incident, right. that you think, oh, Don Morocco is going to be a big baby every time he shows up. He's right. going to be afraid. No, no, no. Every He calls him out. But on top of calling him out, he's not afraid to get in his face. Yeah. Like, like, when they're fighting, it's like, no. And I, he puts him over in the promo. He puts over the danger of the matches and stuff. You know, like, right. like they're both in this for a fight. It's yeah. really well done. Did you ever think that the whole sports world would have their eyes focused on you? That everybody would be watching you 
that you would be in the center of Madison Square Garden, locked, surrounded by a wall of steel. Nobody moving. Nobody going anyplace. And by the end of it, it just feels like they had an epic feud and they kind of have like a weird respect, but like they don't like each other. Right. It's just like, okay. And it's it's always funny to me that the way it ends because of the whole Don Morocco technically wins because Jimmy Snooker pushes him out of the cage by accident or something. <laughs> yeah. Morocco outsmarted them, really, because remember he, he called for the he door to be call, opened? He calls for the door, basically. Jimmy Snooker's kind of like, he's got him where he wants him, right? Yeah. Jimmy Snooker's kind of, ooh, ooh, big Irish punches. Whips him. Yeah, Irish whips him, and he goes outside, <laughs> and, and, and Don Morocco's outsmarted Jimmy Snooker, but the best part is that, hey, this is a blood feud, man. Yep. I don't give a shit that you won. It's like, get the fuck back in the ring. And he and he takes him back in, and then he does the epic... The superfly like, splash. Yeah, the epic splash off the cage. Superfly perch 15 feet high. Oh, my God. So Morocco uh, fades away in 84 after losing to Tito. So when he comes back in 85, he's got Mr. Fuji. And this leads to, again, people know this. This is like the only thing WWE ever mentions anymore. It's like, remember Fuji Vice? Yeah, because it's something they can... I'm telling you... It is funny, though. I think the main reason they keep it, because it's something they can put on a Twitter clip that's like two minutes or something. (laughs) I'm not kidding. So the intern has to like drag the shit up and post it. Yeah, they're just like, we got this on some (laughs) server somewhere. Pull this file that's like two minutes long of Fuji Vice or something that we can put on WE Twitter. Uh, this quarter of a million can buy a lot of happiness. Too many belong to the department. Don't so be surprised if he gets lost in the scuffle during the arrest. He could very easily find his way into our pockets. So he does the Fuji Vice bit, which is really funny. And uh, obviously the Orndorff opener at two is whatever. He's notably in the opener at WrestleMania three with Ace Orton. Ace Funny Man, that the is. Ace of Comedy. Ace Bob, of Comedy. Bob Orvin. I got to say something about that. That's how he turns face. And this is another underappreciated little run that he had. Mm-hmm. Is when he turns face in the summer of 87 and feuds with Orton, Morocco is over as shit as a face. So this is what I think is interesting about it is that I think that the fans of the time, they never forgot what Don Morocco was. Yeah. It was almost like they, like they were waiting for him to like do something again. Right. Cause, yeah. cause he kind of, he gets fed to Hogan. He's in a tag team. He goofs <laughs> around with, with Fuji. Yeah. Like he's never doing anything serious <laughs> anymore, but you can tell like the fan, it's not 1983 is not that far from 1987 or no, it's not. right. It's not, if you've been a fan, he's just another like, Oh, I remember that. That was like three years ago yeah. or something. Right. That's yeah. nothing. Right. Yeah. So you still remember, obviously you're like, when's Morocco going to like, you know, step up do and something do, again. do, do yeah. his thing. And so this is kind of like him being a face with music yeah. and like a, like a manager of somebody that we remember also. Billy Graham. This seems like, Whoa. And now yeah. he's like in shape. Remember he's he, big, he's big, but he's not fat anymore. No, he's not. To me, that's like his, his face run feels in a weird way, like a heyday, like a cashing in, like, man, Morocco's so popular. And cause he would just get huge pops when he come out. He did. Remember that episode of Superstar where he makes a save? For Billy Graham, yeah. And, and like people are like losing their fucking shit. It's cause it's a big deal. Yeah. And those Orton matches, we've seen some of them. They're good. Yeah, they're okay. They're pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty good, Quinn. Yeah. And MSG and stuff. So anyway, Don Morocco obviously leaves the WWF at the end of 88 and he goes on to wrestle uh, kind of notably in 
in the UWF and then ECW he's, briefly. He's one, isn't he an ECW champ at some point? Yes, he was. Yeah. He, you know who he defeated, right? Jimmy Snuka, right? Jimmy Snuka, yeah, that's see, right. They, got, they revived the feud. Yep, and then he lost it to Sandman, which is such a weird like. Because after that, they were yeah. like, first of all, I bet you I know what happened in ECW. It's like, we can't afford <laughs> to pay Don Morocco money. I don't know, maybe. We he don't was, have any money. He was, <laughs> <laughs> true. We have Stanley Wayne Manor, maybe. We can't afford to pay maybe. him 50 bucks. You know? Yeah. Uh, but Morocco, why is he an unsung hero? Well, of the pre-Hulkamania era, he is literally one of the best things week in, week out on championship yeah. wrestling or all-star wrestling. His yeah. promos, the overall character work, whether he's it's the first run in 81, 82, or the second run in 83, 84, he's tremendous, like Quinn was talking about. He well, really yeah. is. It really, it's that kind of thing is the reason why you really start to understand what, what his popularity was in the Northeast specifically, because yeah. it was right before they went national too. Yep. So the Northeast specifically had an attachment to him. Yeah, I agree he, with he, you. He was MSG. like, he was a remembered force to be reckoned with in, yep. the, in the company. And if you haven't gone back and watched any of those early 80s Don Morocco promos, I encourage you to just search them out. It doesn't even have to be WWF. He's good elsewhere too. Right. Like he's a great talker. He's a very underappreciated talker, I think. I agree. There's another thing. He's an unsung hero when it comes to promos, especially during a period of time where most of the guys had their managers do it for him. Mm -hmm. Morocco didn't need it. Like, Lou talked also, but, like, Morocco It was didn't. only when Lou got sucked in, like, when he, I fuck you, Jimmy Snuka, <laughs> yeah. or something. Like, he's yeah. like, let me let me add this. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the time, Morocco's just, like, farting around, like, yep. wearing a jet shirt, being fat. Eating donuts and cracking up mean gene. There's a lot of great yeah. Don Morocco moments. The thing about Morocco is, even though maybe the Hulk, Hulkamania era of him wasn't the most prominent, he is an unsung hero there, too, because, again, always over. Yeah. Always reliable. And especially once he turned face, it was real nice, like quick little renaissance for him. I do feel in a weird way him get, getting the hell out of there right when Hulk came. He might have been more tarnished. Maybe. If he didn't go away for a little bit and come back. It's Let possible. Hulk breathe, do that shit, and right. then Morocco comes back later. Yeah, and he even had a match with Hogan. Right, exactly. At least he had one televised one that I know of anyway, so... Don Morocco, for all that you did for the 1983 year especially, but even well beyond that, you are this week's unsung hero. And folks, let us know what you think of Don Morocco. Do you like him as a talker? Do you have any favorite Don Morocco moments, promos, matches? Can obviously be from other promotions also, not just WWF. Let us know that. Do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, there's only two names left for the best celebrities in wrestling. We're pulling them out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of Celebrities in Wrestling, and that is coming up right after this. You women have heard of Jalopis. You've heard the noise they make. But let me introduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's great. Just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Baby, we'll ride in style. Don Morocco, certainly you can add to the comments of Mr. Fuji. We have a steamboat. See, what we have here is a steamboat who's looking for a friend. So what does the steamboat do? He goes out and finds a dog. Isn't this a wonderful little story for all you little boys and girls? Wonderful, wonderful, just wonderful. So when the steamboat finds the dog, the dog's sniffing all over the place, going all over the grounds, all over the place, and you know he's been there because he's messy and you step all over him. You have a steamboat and a dog. And you have Mr. Fuji and Magnus from Morocco, you see. And we don't leave things all over, do we? Mm. You like the numbers number? up? Yeah, 64. 64. Yeah. Don't get cute with me now. No, I'm not. Don't get cute with me. 
because it's all numbers, it's all time. Time and numbers and space. 64, maybe 65, but maybe 46 in somebody else's eyes. And we're going to be in your face. Thank you, gentlemen. I can't thank you enough. Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji. And now, back to your romp through the world of retro wrestling. O-V-P. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here on Monday, September the 13th, 2021, for episode 239. 239! You did it. Yep. I didn't know if he was going to do it. He did uh, well, it. Well, suspense. It's a tradition. You won't hear it because it'll probably be edited. But <laughs> Imagine. That'd be yeah. funny. Anyway, folks, I'll tell you what you can hear. You can hear all about our Patreon real quick. We won't bore you with details. We mentioned it earlier. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. This is for people that either want to support OVP, want to hear some extra content, or both. That's all there is to it. We're not begging for your money. We know not everybody is going to sign up, and that really is okay. But if you like what we do and you want to support us, you're going to get a lot of extra stuff. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. $2 tier, you're going to get the 1984 Canon. We were just talking about it last segment. Don Morocco was mm-hmm. all over 83. Yep. You can see what we're talking about as we watch it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's all there. It's us live watching championship wrestling every episode since January of 82. Right now, we're in March of 84. Two bucks a month, and that show is in video or audio form. And then on the highest tier is $5. That's it. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. Going, that's not really a lot of money. We try to be affordable. Yeah. Well, honestly. Yeah. The $5 is the perfect price, if yeah, you will. That's the max that we offer. That's going to get you the 1984 Canon and get you the monthly pay-per-view reviews that we talked about earlier. Out right now is Survivor Series 93. It's a doozy. It is, yeah, it's a doozy, all right. It's got a Keith Hart, though, so that's always good. He is good. He is good. Underrated. Very. Coming out next month for October will be Royal Rumble 94. Now, these are like three-hour-ish episodes, and they're meant to either be consumed throughout the month or if you're like some of our fans, immediately the day they're released. Right. Either way, however you listen some to it. Some of our it. fans just binge it. Like, yeah, immediately. Like, it's released, like, sometimes it's released late at night, you know? And, and they're, they're just like, we need to we need to know now. <laughs> Stop what we're doing, honey. Stop the press it's Survivor <laughs> Series. <laughs> and hey, if you want to be one of those people, feel free to give it a shot. Maybe just try it for the rest of September, okay? You don't even have to pay when you sign up. Sign up at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Put in your info real quick. See what you think, and if you don't like it, just cancel. We won't be offended. Yeah. Like, seriously. It's mm-hmm. fine. We do this free. Just do your thing. We do this show every single week anyway, so it's like, we're going to keep doing this. You still get this. Whether you sign up or not. So, anyway, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Michael. Yes. Okay. The Royal Rankings, the final Royal Rankings of the season, which reminds me, be sure to vote. Go to our Facebook group, okay? There's an announcement there. You can vote for next season's Royal Rankings and Royal Flush, okay? Vote, vote, vote if you want in for next season. So what is the Royal Rankings to begin with? Well, should we explain it? Yes, so. Okay. Each season, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. For this season, it was celebrities in wrestling. And then what happens is, our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, he takes all of your votes and puts them into two separate tanks. One for the best, one for the worst. And then each week we pull out two names at a time and we rank them. By the end of the season, what you are going to have is the definitive certified baptized ordained non-GMO USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst celebrities in wrestling of all time. So Quinn, let's run down the eight that are on the board right now. A lot now. It's near the end. We're right at the end, right? This is officially nitty and gritty. The full list. Yeah, the full list. Number one right now 
Andy Kaufman. There he is. Deservedly so, in my opinion. One of the first ever. Number two, Mr. T. Mm -hmm. Number three, (laughs) despite some early protests, Bob Uecker. So big. He's great. I I don't care. Number four, Mike Tyson. Very good. Yeah. I would have put number five above uh, Mike Tyson. I would not have. And that (laughs) number five would be Quinn's personal favorite, Regis. Regis. He's great. (laughs) Gelman. Gelman. Number six, Dennis Rodman. Uh Very good stuff from him. Number seven, LT. LT. Biggest strike against him is that it was 1995. WrestleMania main eventer, though. <laughs> it's true. Well, so is Mr. T. But So is Mr. T. That's correct. And number eight, Pete Rose. How yeah. about it? So How about it? And before we go down to the Fink, let's just one last time here reiterate our criteria mm-hmm. in case we have any newcomers. It might be someone's first episode. Folks, we're not just talking the most famous celebrity. True. That doesn't make them the best in wrestling. We're not just talking what they might have done for ratings or business, mm-hmm. although that does play a part. It does. But what also plays a part is performance, what they actually do and how well they did it. It's true. So we're kind of taking every single criteria you can imagine. It has to all add up. And right? we do this here in our lab. This yeah, is a so science big, experiment. Big lab. We're still going with that theme, yeah. I guess, right? Science. It's, it's real. It's a real lab. I don't know what, <laughs> not a theme. I don't know what you mean by that. That's true. No, Quinn just put his lab coat on. Yeah. I see it. We have beakers all over the place. You have to watch the live raw feed. Yeah, don't watch that. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't watch we haven't mentioned it on the Patreon yeah, plug because yeah. it's so shitty. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, folks, why don't we now, without any further ado, go down to Howard Finkel for the final Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. I am from Hollywood. I have the brains. WrestleMania book. You know, I left tickets for Bill Buckert, but he couldn't bend over to pick them up. I'm here in this uh, appropriate acoustic environment. Goldstone is my man, he won. What? So when you go to a wrestling match, you go to cheer the good guy and boo the bad guy. I've had a Hulk. Hulkamania lives, you know, the Hulk himself. It is the Royal Rankings, week number five. Celebrities in wrestling. Aha, uh-huh, here they are. Quinn, this is it. This is it? This only- is a, we're going to decide the best ever of celebrities in wrestling. There's only two names left. I mean, it it's all comes down to this, really. The best may already be on the board, may, may already number be Number one may one. be set in stone. We it's don't know. True. But we, we, we can't find out unless we rank them. That's right, and that's what we're here to do, folks. So... We've established the eight on the board. We have established our criteria as best we can. The only thing left to do is go down to the fans and find out who drew number nine. And he's going to give a jolt to women's wrestling like never before. Quinn? Yes. Do girls just want to have fun? They do. And they just want to. They just want to. They just want to. Yeah. Cindy Lauper. <sighs> She's great. You love her. I, I, I love Sandy. Big She's fan. Big fan. Uh, just so much participation and like wanting to be there. Zeal. Like, zeal. Like for the product. <laughs> In a time when like it was sort of a underground, like it wasn't yet. It was just getting there in popularity, yes, it right? Was it was just a, getting there. But it there. was still also a thing that was on TV at fucking 11 o'clock at night or something yeah, before the roller derby. That people made fun of yeah. regularly, and they still do. But Cindy Lauper. We don't need a complete, complete background, but let's just say this about her. Cindy Lauper 
was a very famous in 1983, 84, mid-80s pop star, pop a star, hit, pop singer. Yeah, hit recording artist. Yes. One of the top albums of that year. Yeah, it was actually. And that was her debut album, She's So Unusual, it was mm-hmm. called. She had previously been in a band called Blue Angel a little right. bit prior to that. Delighted to welcome two key members of Blue Angel, John Turi, who plays keyboard and sax, and vocalist Cindy Lauper. Nice to have you both with us. When She's So Unusual came out in October of 1983, it spawned a couple of big hit singles. Several, actually. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which we will get to. Mm-hmm. She Bop yes. was also All Through the Night, and obviously Time After Time. It's true. Which Time After Time went number one, by now, the way. Another interesting factoid about that album. Did you know between Blue Angel and that, that Cindy had to go back to like, working like some menial yeah. labor job like i believe like, it, she thought her music career was over yep i think she was a waitress or something yeah. like that yeah the spunky like uh lives in with her parents in brooklyn thing there brooklyn, was like a yep. bit of truth to that yeah, yeah like, which was kind of cool there really is and she was like 30 but it doesn't matter yeah. she still had that she embodied that like youthful personality exactly she still does yeah she still does <laughs> she's, she's almost like 70 70 yeah, yeah. I still think of her as like this young, spunky, yeah. you know? Even her name is cute. Cindy, yeah, you know? Exactly. With the, Cindy with, with, with a Y and with an a y, I. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me, Bert and Ernie. Is this a fucking spelling bee? How about you shut the F-U-C? So Cindy Lauper is very unique, very quirky, very different. And she came up in popularity and debut album-wise right around the same time as Madonna. Which right. may have, and I don't know this, may have possibly overshadowed cindy a little bit more i would say yes but she did all right um <laughs> but cindy was the more the girl next door character madonna was this like icon like yeah. kind of thing going on madonna was the girl across the street she was like the the girl at the fucking art lounge or whatever <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what i mean that's like kind of unattainable <laughs> right like. but cindy was just like real she just felt real and she was unique and different and a fashion icon, a lot of yep. a lot of things. A lot of the pop star, the female pop stars of that day, had their own look that the, they did. that the girls like to replicate. You know why? Because the girls just wanted that fun. They all wanted to have fun. Cindy spoke the truth. She it did is a very, <laughs> very, very truthful song. And Cindy has such a unique voice. Between you know, if you listen to "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" and then you listen to "Time After Time," it's a different vocal range, practically. Honestly, different you, timbre. One of my favorite parts about Cindy is she's got in her speaking voice is like the fucking nanny. Like oh my Fran god! Dresser, yeah, and yeah. her <laughs> and her singing voice is like one of the great. great. Op- she could be like an operatic yeah. singer. Like she's that good. There's this there's this live performance. I think it's on Carson of time after time. Where man, it, it's just phenomenal. I'm being serious. She's just incredible as a vocalist. But let's get to why this matters wrestling wise and how we got there. When she was still in Blue Angel, so that's like 80, 81, right? Mm-hmm. Early 80s. She and her manager slash boyfriend at the time, David Wolf. White Wolf Productions. Happened to meet, yes. <laughs> happened to meet either on a plane to or from Puerto Rico. A pretty famous wrestling manager and personality mm. known as who? Captain Lewis Albano. I'll call him Lewis in this case. He's very Lewis. He's, this is a very Lewis moment. Now, David Wolf was the wrestling fan. Cindy was not. Yep. But David Wolf was very excited to meet Captain Lou. Fast forward to 1983 when they are doing Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the music video. The network people originally wanted a different wrestler in this video, but Cindy said, no, we want 
Captain Will Battle. You want the guy on yeah, the plane. Right? Uh, that's how I, <laughs> I envision that conversation. So, Quinn, I know you know a lot about early MTV and the Rod Stewart yes. involvement, but yeah. specifically here, Girls Just Want to Have Fun music video was a well-acclaimed video. Oh, yeah. It was one of the more popular videos in the rotation. It would, you know... It's one of those videos that probably play in every hour kind of video. Right. Um, but Your cousin would know. I'm Martha Quinn. Here's the thing with that video, though. It's like one of those style of videos where 600 different things happens in like two minutes. Yep. And like, that's the kind of sh- shit, like those kind of videos were always the most popular. If you ever, yes. the ones that like something exotic happened or like just weird, like Duran Duran videos <laughs> where they're on a fucking boat or something. And you're like, how much did this cost? Like when you're like asking it, you know what I mean? Or like, just like, like Cindy's videos or like a Michael Jackson video. Like, yeah. you know, just these videos where they look different. And what I like about MTV, it's got this, it's got this range of styles in the early days of like some videos look high caliber and some videos look like, they were filmed with a camcorder, but they're unique because they like just do a bunch of stuff, sure, right? Absolutely. And, and MTV was just so cool during that time. In the period. early eighties, yes, they yeah, were. And to have Captain Lou be on that, yeah. that alone to me, that elevates wrestling. But the funny part about that shit is that they don't even fucking talk about that on Championship Wrestling ever. No, they don't. It's happened like for months yeah. by the by the point we're at, and they haven't even mentioned it. It's very true. So Captain Lou Albano plays her dad in the yeah. video because again, she's going for this like youthful thing. She's like thirty, right? But she's going for the youthful thing, and she like he like memorably tries to yell at her with his like big fat wife beater on and yeah. everything. I love the the point in the video. What you gonna do with your yep. life? But she's singing it and Lou's doing the point like yep. all dramatically and mouthing what yep. she's singing, and it, it's so good. Like it's such like I always I wish I had like a gif of that. Like <laughs> what you gonna do with your life? Like Richard point, yeah. And he looked like such a character. So he looked like okay with Cindy's character and her look and her style and the spunky this Brooklyn whatever this was supposed yeah. to be or whatever. He looks like he could, should be her dad. I know, to be right? quite honest, a guy with a fucking <laughs> right? like earring in his cheek. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like I mean, he, he looks like he's Cindy Lauper's dad. Even if you didn't watch wrestling, this guy stands out to you, right? right? Yeah. Like a character, just right. a very unique character. So we parlay this now because of Lou's relationship with Cindy Lauper and David Wolf. We parlay this into Cindy Lauper appearing on WWF programming in the spring of 1984. Right. And now we have to set the stage here and a lot of new people have come in. Yes. Specifically Roddy Roddy Piper, the new hot heel around town. And he hosts a show called Piper's Pit. Right. Where where he doesn't like faces and he compliments heels. Yep. So he has Lou Albano on and he has Cyndi Lauper on the pit. And the deal here is Albano is taking all of the credit for Cindy Lauper's success. And she's like, actually, that's not really true. That's right. not true. Taking care of you and actually brought you from nothing and taking you up. Roddy, yes, wait, wait. Yes, darling. No, I love Lou, but he's not my manager. A lot of people think that. Wait a second, wait a second. And then get into this whole scuffle, and I know I'll dump some in, which <laughs> leads to Cindy memorably going, what? What? Just a minute, Cindy. I want you to be honest. Tell them how I took you abroad, hanging around New York. What? And she beats Lou up with her purse. Right. So Lou basically, essentially he goes on like a male chauvinistic yeah, rant. As about he would. In the kitchen and <laughs> yeah. this and that. You know, all all of the typical crap yep. like that they, that they would say to get over his heels back then. Yep. And because it's Cindy Lauper and because there's probably an audience that's not used to seeing that, 
this might seem more shocking than it usually would to the yeah. the common wrestler, always just being a heel or whatever. But like to to fan, people like Cindy Lauper's going to be on TV tonight. I got to watch it or whatever. Yep. They're like, wow, this guy, what an asshole, right? right? And so Cindy gets cheered and blah blah blah. And then this leads to them having a confrontation regarding a wrestling match. And Lula Abano takes on the women's champion for 5,000 years, the fabulous Mola. Yeah, of course, Lou would manage her. I was slave Carl Mola. Yeah. Back in 1933 or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> she is going to defend it against Wendy Richter, who had been in and out the WWF, but was usually a heel. We've seen her in like the 82 canon, seen, I want to yeah. say. say like, yeah, she's been around. She's usually a heel, but yeah. now she's a face. And Cindy Lauper is now going to be a wrestling match. She's like, yeah, I'm wrestling. I'm training with her. You know? So like, yeah, they, they actually like film clips like, you know, in the gym or whatever. Like Wendy Richter, she's running, she's <laughs> jumping, she's jumping rope. And, and Cindy's there with the Mick from Rocky hat on <laughs> with like a fucking, like a, like a, a towel on her shoulder and she's like yeah punch it like this so like you know like she's like doing that shit and like to this again this shit works with an audience that doesn't know wrestling yeah oh of right? course like, it a, does. like an audience that's there to see cindy lopper is maybe a girl is her favorite singer what i want to know everything cindy lopper is doing right? right like that kind of audience i gotta say this kind of is twofold at pioneering in a bit not only is it a famous recording audience what? audio what? person in wrestling right yep but it's a girl's thing. Who knows how many little girls got into wrestling because they might have just been a, they, they might have just, Cindy Lauper might have been their favorite singer. Sure. You know, and they yeah. just, I want to know everything Cindy Lauper's doing, right? And the genius here, Quinn, is that MTV cross promotes all this. Yes. So it, this, there's so many like connections here, yes. right? Yes. So MTV is also involved with this whole, it's not yeah. just, this doesn't just air on WWF programming. MTV, which is a hot shit in 84, mm -hmm. right? Quinn's cousin, as I always say. I'm Martha Quinn. This leads to a special on MTV called the Brawl to End It All, which we have reviewed the special portion like of it. 30 minutes, by the yeah, way. Yeah, the MTV portion, which yeah. is genius because you don't want to make people sit through a whole wrestling <laughs> Nobody card. Nobody wants to, yeah. Like, you know who's on the card? Like, fucking Rene Goulet is on that card That's and shit. That's yeah, unnecessary for what this is. No one needs to see that. But anyway, this show from July 23rd, 1984. Isn't Martha Quinn one of the interviewers? I think and she like is. One of the, what's the other twerp that's the... Uh, your favorite guy. I can't remember his he, name. It's like Dana Carvey yeah. or something. <laughs> you know who I'm talking Dave about. Dave Coulier. Yeah. I forget his name, but it's one of the early yeah. MTV guys. Cindy selected Wendy Richter, number one contender for Moolah's title. The uh, draw here is that we're going to televise on MTV Wendy Richter challenging the fabulous Moolah Live. Live. Because the live is big for MTV. The nothing's live on MTV. That's correct. This is live. And obviously in Wendy Richter's corner is going to be Cindy Lauper and David Wolf. He has to just be there. Right. And somebody's <laughs> got to manage the manager, right? It's true. And uh, the fabulous Mula will be with Lou Albano, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, And guess what? This match did a nine Nielsen rating on MTV. On MTV, <laughs> the most watched program in the history of MTV. So this is a huge success, obviously, for the WWF for MTV, and it's a really good thing. And they're just taking this momentum, momentum, and rolling with it. We have now what's called the Rock 
and wrestling connection. The branding is there now. So MTV can say that. Yeah, because now like Hulk Hogan's hanging yes. out with like like Wendy Richter and then Cindy Lauper's on the side. And yep. now Hulk's friends with T and then you got all these celebrities yeah. and stuff. And, and yeah. And this is when Hogan was cool. Yeah. Like he, you know, daddy, the daddy era. Yeah, very daddy. He's still daddy in 84 and mm-hmm. 85. Very fake Dusty Rhodes. Very dusty. Yeah. And anyway, we have another special. Now, now Lauper continues to be involved on and off and she helps promote and things and like that. this is that. the aspect I think that is going to really help her on this this ranking, right? She's like she's there a lot. It's like a year and a half or something that she's yeah, like kind of consistently involved. Yeah, you, I yeah, think you're you about know? right. It is. She has an appearance on Carson. Booming is everything because rock and roll is very fashionable, and yeah. so is wrestling. Yeah. Like I don't know if you ever noticed the Samoans. See, Captain Lou Albano, he manages the Samoans. So we have another MTV special. This one is called the War to Settle the Score. This is February eighteenth, eighty five, as we build to WrestleMania. And for this one, on the MSG portion, not the MTV portion, Leilani Kai, with the fabulous Mula in her corner, defeated Wendy Richter to win the women's championship. Right. This leads to the promos where, uh, you know, or I think came from the promos where uh, Cindy was like, Lonnie Coy. Yeah, and all Lonnie Coy, st- you stink. <laughs> Shmula. Yeah. We're going to take you down this time. Yeah. Like, all, like, again, the, the hat. Yep, <laughs> like, with the, the, hat. The, the hat, the fucking. I love the hat. I love the tra- Cindy training gear. Yep. Like, it's so funny to it's me. It's really good. Any woman can get what she wants. If she wants it bad enough, all she has to do is try hard. And believe in herself. But also that night, and this is the televised MTV portion, champion Hulk Hogan defends against Roddy Piper, but in Hogan's corner is Cindy Lauper and David Wolf and Lou Albano. Now, why Lou Albano, might you ask? Right. Well, in December of 84, Lou Albano was presented an award for, for charity. his charity with uh, multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And this, in real life, was something Lou really did, and they used it to turn him face. Exactly. So Finally. Now, so now in the ring... Every, I always think it's funny too because like losing like a tuxedo and like Dick like Clark is the one presenting it by the way. Wendy Richter's all dressed up. Cindy Lauper's all they're all in their they're all in their finest. And then Roddy Piper comes <laughs> in like a big dickhole, like yeah. pretty sure in like just trunks. Yeah, like, just looking sloppy. Looks look like a big fucking slob. And you know, let me tell you something. You know, yeah. doing his Piper shtick. Yeah pissing everyone off right? because everyone's like is this is real right yeah like, they're like what an asshole i know even though even though it was me that set this up and it was me that started it i want to present you with this he beats up lou doesn't he body slam david wolf at this or it, something it's a big problem <laughs> like things happen so now, Doesn't Cindy Lauper like jump on him? She's or involved. Yeah, yeah, like she gets like physically involved. So that's why Albano is now in the Cindy Lauper camp. So anyway, at this match here at the War to Settle the Score in 1985, this is where Mr. T is in the crowd and comes right. to help. Right? See, it's all connected. Listen, to all the people involved there yeah, right? yeah. with Lauper and T and Hogan and Richter and Lou Albano. It's amazing. Not to right? mention all the other extracurricular people by the time we get to WrestleMania, like Billy Martin and yeah, like, Muhammad Ali, and, Muhammad all that, Ali right? and shit. Liberace. <laughs> Liber- <laughs> Special timekeeper Liberace. Special timekeeper Liberace. Easy Lover instrumental for WrestleMania is still one of the greatest. It's, it's a great I opening. Vince's staccato delivery and yeah, everything. It's fantastic. It's a great opening. <laughs> Matt Bourne versus whatever he's you know one of my versus favorite, Rick Steamboat. You know what one of my favorite parts connected to Cindy in that opening is? What? Why does it look like Mula 
and Leilani Kai are like by a cauldron or something. They're doing they're something weird. It's, yeah, it's, what is that? It's very, it's very um, making soup. It reminds me a lot of the brief moment that Sherry was an actual witch. Oh yeah, in like it's like it looks. It's very similar. Yeah, what is that picture, by the way? I think it, it's the cauldron. They, they probably kept the cauldron in the WF warehouse and just saved it for Sherry a couple years later. I mean, to be fair, Quinn, you don't normally throw out a good cauldron. You, you should keep it that. Probably, keep- they probably all had the mixture that makes it uh, smoke a so bit. I'm saying you, yeah. you got to keep a good cauldron. Yeah. So anyway, we're building a WrestleMania March 31st, 85. Not too much needs to be said about that. So let's hit the bullet points. One of the big selling points is Wendy Richter trying to get the women's title back from mm-hmm. Lenlani Kai. And in Wendy Richter's corner will be Cindy Lauper. And their entrance. It's so good. At MSG with girls just want to have fun blaring. It's so good. We reviewed this. It's been a couple of years now, but you still get the feels when they come out, right? Yeah, and Cindy looking intense, with like hat. guiding her out. And yeah, like, like it, she means it. Yeah, it's like we're going to... Fuck these people. Like right. they, they screwed us. Here they come, Jess. Wendy Richter, Cindy Lauper, David Wolf. Twenty-five thousand on their feet to greet this unbelievable entourage. And then Wendy Richter wins. And the celebration. They did the skip thing. It's so good. It's so excellent. Cindy sold it all. Mm -hmm. Like, this fucking mattered to her. Mm -hmm. And the funny part is that even once this was all said and done, I'm pretty sure she did that weird, like, CBS cartoons thing with... Rock and (laughs) wrestling? Yeah, Roddy. There was, like, still things that happened connected. Remember Roddy Piper on a fucking throne? There's all this weird shit afterwards. Cindy continued to help promote them. She even went to Puerto Rico. I didn't know that. Now, do you remember, Quinn? It's been a long time, but we reviewed... The one where it rains. Yes, the <laughs> WWF's ill-fated attempt to run Puerto Rico like in direct competition with Carlos Colon. <laughs> Before that, they just called youngster. him a youngster. Yeah, yeah. With that youngster. Where it's Gorilla doing commentary by himself, but also ring announcing, and he fucks up like the sound sometimes. All set to go with this bout here from San Juan, Puerto Rico. But also, he has to have a tarp over his head halfway through the show. And it's just like the worst show. But Cindy Lauper was down there with Wendy Richter. And that's her last, like, ringside appearance that I know. It was October of 85. October of 85. I know. It's pretty deep. But don't forget, she also appeared as Mona Flambe at the 86 Slammies. Oh, right. She's at the Slammies. (laughs) Yes. In her Mona Flambe. Remember, not Cindy Lauper. Mona Flambe. That's all that she did as far as WWF, but... Man, what a look at all the, this is more contributions than we're used to from celebrities. It is though. I that's think the that's thing. gonna be the quantity is really what Cindy provides. And, and and pretty quality. high quality, yeah. Yeah. She was also a very high profile star. So when we get to ranking time, we'll talk more about that. But to sum it up, man, she was awesome. Is she in the WF Hall of Fame? No. How is that not a thing? Maybe she doesn't want to be. Well, she, girls just want to do what they want. They want to have fun. Is that, that's what they want to yeah. do is Maybe have fun. Maybe the Hall of Fame's not fun. Time after time. I don't know. Yeah. It seems to not be. What if they just inducted Mona Flambe and everyone's confused? That would actually be funny. It's like Cindy Lauper, like she's older now, but <laughs> yeah. just still Mona Flambe. <laughs> just in that persona. Yeah. But that's all I got on Cindy. It'll be very interesting to see where she ranks. But Quinn, are you ready for the final entrant? Let's do it. All right, fans. Count us down. Everyone's waiting. People will waiting all season to find out all 10, right? Let's all find out who drew number 10. 
Mongo's ready to wrestle. Mongo is ready to wrestle. He is ready. Mongo. Steve Mongo McMichael. <sighs> I love Mongo. He was eligible. He's so good. <laughs> he's like unsung. He's like, hey, he's got a bunch of different things that I think about Mongo. He's just, he's fucking fantastic. Steve McMichael was eligible and people voted for him. So he's a celebrity. He was a celebrity. In no, wrestling. He, he, we if the closest I like to say how I was doing the modern day comparison to Cindy. Yeah. The closest to Mongo, honestly, the Miz of because he committed for multiple years to actually wrestling. The Miz. That's the closest ad hoc I can think of. Yeah, but I wouldn't hawk too much because the Miz was just like happened to be a reality star that became a I'm wrestler. Just saying, it's it's the closest thing we can compare it to. Mongo was a pretty notable football player. True. That's what he was, obviously. Chicago Bears, baby. The Bears. The Bears. He was on the Patriots a little bit, but then he was the Bears for like 13 seasons. Yeah, what football player isn't on multiple teams? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come it's, on. It's rare. It's normal. Yeah, the Bears from 81 to 93, and he was a tackle, defensive tackle. And he was also on the Packers his last season in 94, because mm -hmm. again, normally they wind down with like a season or two on another team. It's, you know what I how, mean? You got to get the last years of your profitability <laughs> yeah. out. Like, it's true. Get some team to pay me for two years yeah. of service and get the fuck out. People do it in baseball also. Yeah. It's not really that big a deal. And uh, he won a Super Bowl, two-time first-team All-Pro. He had some accolades, right? Mm -hmm. But more than just how he was as a football player, it is who he was. A character. Hey, people, you know me. I play for the Chicago Bears, too. Every game since 1981 in these freezing winters. So you know I've done my duty. I mean, he was a character in football. We have tried to describe him over the years here as that backyard barbecue <laughs> attitude. Backyard barbecue, to me, is always the, the most apt <laughs> right? um, description of Mongo McMichael Just you could ever think of. Throw some dogs on the grill, baby Mongo! Here, you yeah, know, that like, style. He's the guy that if you're having a party and it's like kind of not going okay, it's yeah. like if Mongo showed up, oh, now it's like it, it's like a rager. Right. Like, it's, <laughs> it's gone from being like people being like, mm -hmm, to, yeah, party all night, baby. Right. And uh, he, he'd be the guy coming and holding like the six packs, one in the two each of hand. them. Yeah. No, like 18 packs, <laughs> uh, you know, like, but like dang bush. dangling by the things, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And putting on the beer hat. Yep. He definitely That's would have Mongo. a beer hat. Mongo, baby. That's our Mongo. Again, if you guys know wrestling, you know what Mongo is, but we always need to mention when we talk about him that his first wrestling appearance was not for WCW. Yep, which is a big... A lot of people don't remember this. It's true. Some people just really don't remember it. Was it was very, like, hidden. His first wrestling appearance was for the WWF. The World Wrestling Federation. That's right, with the LT... WrestleMania 11. All protein. Yeah. <laughs> Shitty WrestleMania, but... It was, but Mongo was, like, got cheered. The funniest part is that... Mongo is the biggest star in that whole group of football people. I mean, outside of LT, probably, right? I just mean to say it's like, I don't even mean by star. Maybe there's somebody technically bigger than him. What I mean by that is that he's the one that stands out in the group. Yeah. Like, even definitely. I noticed him before knowing he was coming to WCW. Well, he's got a, he's a big guy. He's got a distinctive look, but he just carried himself like somebody. He looks like, yeah, he's like a, he's just a, a natural star. Right? Yeah. He's just a natural athlete, star athlete guy. Some people have a certain spark, like a certain charisma that you can't teach. Yeah. You're just born with it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? When and, I see Mongo, I him. just think fun. Yeah. Right? Oh, definitely like, fun. Yeah. yeah. He's got a ponytail. He did. <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy with a ponytail, and he's he's always like got big, got big eyes. Yeah. And he's always like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> Go wrestle, baby. Hey. I hope they don't hurt you. 
Uh-oh. Oh, only, only if the million-dollar mouth over there gets his legion of losers to try to interfere in that match will we be in it. So he does appear as a part of LT's All-Pro team at that horrible abomination called WrestleMania 11. Terrible. Which we'll be getting to next year on the pay-per-view canon. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But he obviously became famous in wrestling. First, as the color commentator for Nitro. So, yeah. So let's 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 talk here. So <laughs> Nitro debuts, right? September fourth, ninety five. He was at the mall one, right? Yeah. Okay. So there in the beginning. I forget if it was the second or first episode. Anyway, Mongo. First of all, he's got like these really colorful shirts on. He looks like a cowboy or something. You know, he's got the like cowboy tie yep. thing going on. Well, he is from Texas. It's like a bolo tie or right. something like that. And on top of it, he seems to carry a, a super tiny dog. You know, big guy with a tiny dog. I think that's what the joke he was going for. Yeah, and it was his doggy Pepe. Pepe. And it, sometimes Pepe chihuahua. would have like a matching hat or like sweater to match or Mongo's vest. attire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is all real. So and Mongo would just he would kind of sit there and he would be Mongo all night. That was wonderful. And, and the best part is I don't know how he did it. The guy who has never stepped in the ring to wrestle, he would talk like he knew how to fight or something, right? Like he would. It would just be the way he would say things and do things. He'd be like, you know, when I was in the NFL, <laughs> you know, we call this a bar burner. He gonna be watch out for his chest. There, he's gonna slap it. And you know, like it's like shit like that. And you better watch out too, Weasel. I'll be coming over there for you. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. By the way, he's just willing to just punch fucking Bobby the Brain right. at any moment because why the fuck? He's Mongo, baby. Even Bobby the Stain over there has to be impressed with those kind of moves. You know what it kind of is, Quinn? It's a couple of things. Eric Bischoff is the the lead play by play guy during this period of time during mm-hmm. the Mongo era, right? That's like Vince used to be for Raw, right? And then Bobby Heenan was Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. And this is like the Randy Savage equivalent, like the face commentator. Except I think that Steve McMichael is a better He's better commentator than Randy He's Savage. So much fun. He's more entertaining. As anyway. much as people like I remember at the time people really not liking this. Yeah. But I look back at I've watched the episodes. He's just damn entertaining. Oh, he's very fun. He's so fun. And before we, we move on to his wrestling career, can I please just tell you something and get your thoughts here? Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety six Wrestling Observer. Worst television announcer, of course. Steve McMichael. It's so unfair. I think they just didn't see the genius of Mongo, really, on, on commentary. Sometimes genius takes a while. You That's know a famous here, here, phrase, right? Genius takes a while to be recognized, definitely. Yeah. Um, Anything less would be uncivilized. I want to say this, as we, I think, because this dovetails nicely into the wrestling aspect. Ultimately, what Mongo on commentary for a couple months did, I knew who the fuck he was when he debuted. Yeah, you knew his personality. And I immediately when he was a wrestler, I was excited because I, and I'm serious at the time I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Mongo is going to wrestle. Like, Mongo's ready to wrestle. Mongo's ready to wrestle. <laughs> I'll be honest with you as a kid. I didn't see this coming. I thought he'd be on commentary for a couple weeks and you never see him again. He was on commentary from September of 95 until like June of 96 or something. Yeah. It was a long time. And then all of a sudden the four horsemen are like, we got somebody and you know, we're going to reunite, right? Yep. I, they, they don't even have someone yet. They're just reuniting, right? Yeah, to take on uh, Kevin Green and Stephen Michael, another football player, right, Kevin Green. Right, they, they pissed off Mongo on the commentary or something. Yep. Um, it was Flair and Arn Anderson. Yeah. Bobby Heenan coached them. Yes, coach. Anyway, we, we get to the event, and Mongo's like, you know, my friend for the NFL, we're going to beat <laughs> the shit out of you. And basically, part of me as a kid, I'm like, these are two football players. Those are 
you know, those are older wrestlers. I don't know if they can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in a fight, like, I don't, I don't know about this, right? right? It's like, it's like Mongo and fucking Kevin Green. They're both like tall as shit they, and they're fucking yeah. big and broad chested. So they, they come out here and they have this match. The match is kind of inconsequential. Of course. It's weird that Bobby the Brain is there. I think that's the weirdest part. He's coaching them. Yeah. Anyway, coaching. all of a sudden, there's a briefcase. Yeah. And Mongo yeah. turns on his football friend. You got it. With the Halliburton That's briefcase. Right. And, and Mongo, for years, this is what I love Mongo, because this is something only Mongo would do, is commit to his origin story. He never didn't have the Halliburton from the day, from that day till the day he left. Until like early 99 when he yeah. left, right? Yeah. yeah. And Mongo, let's, let's be honest here. Let's just call it what it is. He's a terrible wrestler. Yes. And there's no way around it. See, to enjoy Mongo, you need to embrace the awful. You need to accept it and start looking at the character. Right. Because even when he's wrestling in his shitty manner, he's always yelling something. He's always very, yeah. like, he's very audible. You can hear what he's saying. He means everything he's doing. Right, you yeah. know. But he, let's just be clear, he doesn't even have the fundamentals down from what I can see. <laughs> My favorite part is how people to this day, because Mongo had enough matches to the point where it was a lot, that yeah. people to this day are still finding new Mongo botches. Right. Like, it's like... It's true. It's uh, Sometimes I just see a clip and I'm like, I've never seen this clip of right. Mongo botching this ever. How? The, where Where was this? When did this even happen? No, yeah, and that's... that's I'm, I don't hate him for that. It's He's just not good. I don't care. Doesn't yeah. hurt me. Doesn't there's offend some, me. There's some wrestlers that... See, here's the thing. Sometimes it is kind of offensive because you're like... Well, to you, me, it's you, not. you train to be a wrestler... But Mongo, yeah. on the other hand, no offense, sort of doing WCW a favor. You know who trained him? Let me guess. The fucking, the Colonel whatever's face is that uh, I, I run the WCW no, plant or whatever, no. that guy. Or Glacier or something. like nope. Somebody like that. The Red Rooster Terry Taylor. Oh, he did a bad job. <laughs> I think Mongo picked up more from just tag teaming with like Ric Flair than he did the Red Rooster. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie, though, Quinn. I don't love everything Mongo did. That endless feud with Jeff Jarrett sucked ass then, and it sucks ass now. So here's the, you know I'm what? I'm not going to pretend okay, that all gonna, of it is good. I'm going to, the one thing I am going to say about that, I always felt like looking back retroactively. Yeah. I was glad that Mongo occupied Jeff Jarrett. He was like contained in a Mongo field. I'm a and, horse, man. Yeah. And it just, it kept Jeff Jarrett away from things that mattered. Well, this is true. Like yeah. the world title scene at the it's time. Like, let and Mongo things. fuck with him, right? It's like, that's fine. And also, by the way, this the whole Jeff Jarrett thing, we forget. This is the one thing we always forget about uh, Mongo. Yeah, go ahead. He brought us Deborah. That's not necessarily a good thing. But he brought us a person who ended up being connected into like much deeper wrestling things than even Mongo. Jeff Jarrett, Steve Austin. Yeah. And just unfortunately, in general, like puppies. That wouldn't have existed. Oh, it's man. all connected what back would we to Mongo. Do without puppies, I just want to say is like I always thought it was super weird that Deborah was brought into wrestling by Mongo. This is what Deborah like, McMichael. Nobody ever remembers that. I think they remember it because Deborah was a nostalgia wise. She's remembered as one of the main female managers of the, of the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not even really for WCW, right? Yeah, no more, WWF. Yeah, more WWF. But people but forget that was Mongo's wife. It was. It was. I should have always stayed managing Mongo because Jeff is just not worthy for the Queen Deborah to manage. He keeps messing up. He keeps doing stupid things. 
Here's the thing. Mongo as a wrestler, like we said, is very bad, but his enthusiasm, the spirit, you know what I mean? Just the chutzpah, all of it. He has a certain, uh, just that spark that we were talking about the where fact he's that lovable. He didn't really need to be there. And then he committed like four or so years. Yeah, three, four years. And he was like. And he learned how to, he went to like wrestling school and shit. Yeah, Terry Taylor, apparently. I mean, not good, but. <laughs> but he was like 40 when yeah. he started wrestling practically. He was. <laughs> He's again, he's one of, as we say on the 80, 83 canon, you want to fight? He's one of those guys. Yeah. You want to fight? Like, yeah, literally. Like, that's, that's Mongo. He's one of those. It didn't matter how old he was. Like, that's he, true. He would do that to his next door neighbor. I'm uh, sure he did. Uh, if he got in his face about something. He would have done it to Angel Hernandez, the fucking ejection yeah, in that fucking the, game in 01. People fucking forget that. Yeah, he was willing to fight people at baseball games after <laughs> after he retired. He don't care. I mean, I would fight Angel Hernandez, too, Mongo, baby! I don't care. You stink! Yeah. You don't know how to be an umpire? Yeah. I'll show you how to umpire. Yeah. Umpire my ass! You know, if you challenge Mongo to umpire, he would actually don the gear, I guarantee you, and like, oh, go, would. go behind home plate and do it for nine innings. He, he would. Yeah. No. I'll show you how it's done. I, I, I can do it. I used to do this a little league, baby. Yeah. The enthusiasm mm-hmm. is why I like. And the, and the Goldberg feud I like because it's short yeah. and it's funny. Mongo could clean your house and he would have more enthusiasm than anybody ever. That's just why I like him so yeah. much. He's just such a, a likable and one time U.S. champion, by the way. True. Too. Don't forget that. <laughs> he did win a title. Big, big moment there for the Mongo man. Cover this guy right here. Come on, Mongo. Be smart now. Be smart. He covers. He's got him. Because he got him. Two, champion good good yeah it's incredible i like him we'll see where he ranks but and celebrity there you go he was keg coin it is ranking time it is i'm gonna run him down one more time here andy kaufman mr t bob Uecker, mike tyson regis beautiful stop dennis rodman lawrence taylor and pete rose all right, Quinn, this is serious now. So okay, very serious. Where do we start, Cindy? Who, like, better than Pete Rose? I want to <laughs> say start her right in the middle at Regis. There you, <laughs> you, go. you always using Regis he's the, he's as your a, baseline. He's, he's such a baseline. He's very generic. I, it, it, it's just like, it's almost like the nature of Regis, right? Like, he's very base. If you know someone's good, he's like the, the, okay, they have to pass the, Regis is like the gatekeeper. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cindy Regis, I know Cindy's better. Cindy's better because of everything she did to promote pre-WrestleMania. Right. Promote WrestleMania. We also didn't even mention, we had a crossover again with the Goonies Are Good Enough video with the wrestlers. We about that and Roddy Piper and yeah. all those, the, all those people on the back Sheik. of the truck or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. What? Regis promoted wrestling a lot. I know, but what Regis did is not nearly as important. She stinks. <laughs> She's well, so unenthusiastic on that She thing. hates the wrestling. Yeah. That's why. She likes like Helen Hart. She's like, I fucking hate, like, she literally hates it. And Regis is like explaining storylines to Kathy Lee and she doesn't care. It's so really you're ravishing Rick Rude, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you do the Rude Awakening, right? What, what, you, what is it like to kiss all the girls? Yeah, Regis is like very curious about it. it. But come on. Cindy Lauper, mm-hmm. the first WrestleMania, the two MTV specials. Yeah. There's it, no it, it adds comparison. up in her favor. Tyson um, is her real competition here, obviously. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Maybe maybe not to our more male-driven audience. Yeah. But I, I do think Cindy's a bigger star. People like tend to forget how big these MTV stars were in the 80s. Like They were like some of the biggest stars on for a younger audience. 
all of the whole cast of characters, like fucking the police and Michael Jackson and, you know, any Prince, Prince any 80s musician. Yeah. In all like, seriousness. Yeah. Like people had them on their walls and their their bedrooms. These kid, the kids, you know, these were major people in They're kids, pop stars in, in, in a teenager and maybe early 20s person's lives. Right? This is a different animal because yeah. Mike Tyson is a athlete. sports. Yeah. yeah. A sports star, an athlete. Cindy Lauper is a pop star. Which one has the wider appeal? I think Cindy Lauper has a wider reach, especially it's still when we're talking about big music, big business music era here. We're oh, not talking about the 80s, yeah, and pre, cocaine. Pre Napster, right? Where <laughs> I just mean to say pre that's, Metallica that's, always, it all that's always when music kind of like it started to decline business wise. Yes. Yeah. Cindy was still in an era where like musicians had reach, they were big deals. So here's the thing, right? Getting Tyson in 1990, before Buster Douglas, like if, if he had just beaten Buster Douglas, you're talking the premier number one right. boxer in the world, one of the top athletes in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Getting Tyson in 98, I am not disputing his notoriety. Mm-hmm. Very well known because of the bite fight and just for being Mike Tyson, right? Right. Cindy Lauper had had not only a number two hit with Girls Just Want to Have Fun, a number one hit with Time... Like, number one! Yeah. She's also at the height of her power. That's what like, I'm saying. She's, like, like, literally the best she ever was. This isn't Cindy Lauper five years later. Yeah, this is Cindy Lauper, the like, pop... On the charts! Icon of her time. Right. On the charts is what yeah. I'm trying... Like, literally... not Heavy rotation on MTV. This isn't a retired football player. Yep. This isn't a boxer with a suspended license. No offense to Mike Tyson, but he wasn't like winning fights at that period of yep. time. You know what I mean? That said, though, was Tyson hugely important? Yes. I think he was. He was. I really do. But Cindy, but Cindy was, was too. equally important. Okay, well, then we got And she did more than Mike Tyson that's, did. That was going to come next. So if they're both very important, right? Mm-hmm. They're both big stars. Performance-wise, who's better? Cindy. Be Cindy. It has to be. It is. And, and you know what the other thing is? Is that what I always found even more so than Mr. T, I was always impressed with Cindy committing and putting in the time for this. Like, she could have been doing much bigger things than this. I'm sure she could have, yeah. I mean, seriously. Like, this was oddly a step down for her. Wrestling her, is always a step down but for I mean, celebrities, Yeah, Quinn. but the fact that she did so much with it is what's so surprising to me it's yeah and it's not only the quantity it's the quality right it's the earnestness with which she sold all this stuff and she made it work with her persona that's the other thing is like what cindy brought in is she was herself but she was somewhat modified where it just kind of flowed with like cindy lopper and captain lou albano jiving together makes sense yeah, right? they worked. It worked. Or, or her having problems with Roddy Piper makes sense. Yeah, or managing Ro- Wendy Richter. I mean, yeah, Wendy Richter or Moolah or whatever. Like, all of this just, she kind of just works with whatever they throw at her, with the cast of characters. Because Cindy is a character, too. That's, That's the other the thing. thing. She fits wrestling. Yeah. I mean, Tyson does, too. Yeah. Bob Uecker does. Yeah, all she these dresses funny. She's spunky. Yeah, and she's then, got a funny voice. Yeah, yeah. Cuts a promo. Yeah, exactly. She's got it all. I think that if we are talking about overall performance, mm-hmm. then Cindy is better than Mike Tyson, better than Bob Uecker. Oh, yeah. Because of the importance. I always thought that she was better than T. That's where I want to go next. Now, 
I think you're right. I've always I thought think of you're the two, right. they're very comparable because they they're of the same thing, right? But yes. I always thought of the two celebrities that the WWF had dueling at that time, to me, Cindy was clearly the bigger one. She's the more famous one. Yeah. T was famous. Again, yeah. T was famous. Not to say T wasn't famous, but she was just definitely like, she was more involved and she was a bigger deal and like everything about her was just better. The only thing that's funny is I think the the perception changes just slightly because T is capable of getting in the ring and Cindy True. is not because she's 110 pounds and like four nine or whatever yeah, she like is. She's, she's not so gonna, small. She's not going to be fighting women wrestlers, let alone men. So, but T's only good thing of the ring was the tag match. I mean, the boxing shit with Piper sucked ass. Yeah. You know, we Cindy have to never consider that too. Or welcome too. No, I don't think she did. I think T's 1987 thing was weird when he was yeah. like, a re- what, are you, what are we doing? And then he's there in WCW. Does that drag him down at all? I, He's I, not a name as much by 94. It doesn't even matter by that point. Right? I mean, what I is he? I still think, weirdly, Cindy could come and wave on Raw now and everyone would know who she is, weirdly enough. I don't know about everyone, but... A lot of people would. I mean, we, I don't know. we do live when, in the age of, like, where you have access to all the music. Kids listen to, you know, anything. Yeah, but how popular is Cindy Lauper now? I think, I think her main hits are still things that kids to this day still know like just you know a handful of songs like uh, girls just want to have fun time after after time time and maybe she bop maybe like those are the three like when a kid when when a kid because you know you go on any of the spotify's or whatever there's always a 1980s playlist on like the top thing that you know just on the or they they pick like a week when they're going to do a retro week or something like cindy lauper is still a Featured artist of recognized of a time. People are aware of who she is. I, I guess so. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Like, I guess you're right there. That's all I'm saying. I think as a performer, she's better than T, even though she doesn't get in the ring. I just think that she, what she did was very good. Yeah. Convincing. Important. Fun. Because mm-hmm. she just wanted to have fun. She was all about fun. Um, Although I think T is great too, Quinn. I think she's better than T. I have no doubt in my mind. She did come before T. Yeah. I don't know if that matters, really. We can't really... It's about the same time. It's Yeah, it's six months earlier. Yeah. Is she more important than T? Would there be a T without Cindy Lauper first? That's the thing, is I think that that's, that's where it is right there, is that... Okay. I think a lot of maybe stars saw what Cindy Lauper was doing over there and almost maybe. wanted to match it. Because here's the, here's the thing that I, again, that I said before, but I'll say it again here and why I think it attracted celebrities. Celebrities like Cindy were able to make it vibe with their actual PR persona. It, right. Like, you know what I mean? And I think everybody who came afterwards kind of wanted to get that bump from it. And be right? themselves. Be themselves and say, look, I can hang with the wrestlers, right. you know, like that. Because wrestlers are fun. Like to the outside, right? They're like a weird performance thing. and like It's, it's like that clip we saw Diane Keaton on Letterman talking about yeah. how great wrestling was. Yeah. It's like people became aware of that, people right? People became aware of it and they were they also became aware of like, these people are kind of talented. Like they like go on the road and yeah. like do like a live show. And right. like, that's pretty cool. Right. Like yeah. that, that was always, and that always stuck with other celebrities because they're performers and they could see what these people, these people are doing physical performance every yeah. night. That's well, hard. Yeah. I think also whether or not celebrities saw it and wanted to be a part of it, having Cindy Lauper there gave Vince and company a bargain, not a bargaining chip, but gave them like the, Hey, look, Cindy Lauper is here. You could be as good as you could be. Yeah. You could get the bump Cindy Lauper. She's guy. a number one pop star. She's yeah. doing this. Why can't you? Yeah. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think she does belong above Mr. T for a variety of reasons that I can't really articulate. Yeah. She just does, right? She just should yeah. be above T. I think that Andy Kaufman's weirdly the line because Andy Kaufman, in his time, 
might have been bigger than Cindy Lauper. I don't know how to quantify that. Like, I, I, I don't know that how. That Letterman thing is just, it's yeah, still it's to big, this day played. Taxi was a pretty popular show, but it wasn't like the Although, number yeah, one show. Maybe, maybe Cindy's a little bit bigger, actually. Yeah, but it's not just fame. I yeah, mean, it, it isn't just fame. You're right. Andy Kaufman probably is the best overall performer on the list. True. Because he, he brought his own gimmick. Yeah. Like he didn't, Cindy adapted her thing. Like bit. I said, her strength was that she made what Cindy is vibe with wrestling. Whereas Andy just invented a character. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Before and he even worked for a wrestling promotion. He went on tour by himself. Yeah. For wrestling. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, listen, it may be that, you know, we, we know this. Andy Kaufman didn't do anything for big business, he did something for Memphis business. Yeah. But that's it. He didn't affect directly WWF or NWA. He didn't. But he's he's still to this day, I think, the prototype yep. of like what is optimal celebrity performance in wrestling. I agree with you. Because, you know what I mean? Because what was there before him? I mean, I know there was the whole Muhammad Ali thing. Yeah. Did Antonio Inoki. But what did that do? Like, that and, didn't. And we even talked when we talked about Andy Kaufman. There's no way that Vince didn't look at that and say, that's what I want. I would have to think it, so. Like, it's impossible. I mean, summer of 82. David Letterman show. Yeah. Andy Kaufman is with Jerry freaking Lawler. And that's not a slight at the King, but Again, I'm just saying. It's just saying that Jerry Lawler Memphis. is not as big a star as Hulk Hogan or, whatever, or Andre the Giant or Andre the Giant or whatever his, you know, I mean, and, and he's getting on David Letterman in 82, in 82 you. when it matters. Right. That's the power. That's the power of celebrity and wrestling right on yeah. full display. He associated yeah. himself with it and he dragged Memphis, dumpy Memphis dumpy. up, up dumpy. with him. Up at his level. Yeah. I love Memphis. That's yeah. not an insult. Right. It's a slipshod, rickety promotion. Yeah. You know, and I love it. But that's all. It's a regional stupid promotion. It's yeah. wrestling, you know. I mean, Andy put that into the gimmick that it was I crap. Or stupid wall or who is down he? on a farm. <laughs> Yeah, it's how you talk, Mr. Lawler. Yeah. Like, He's cutting promos. Yeah. Like that's the thing. You can't beat what he did, man. Yeah, it's I crazy. love Cindy. She's more important to the WWF directly, yeah. She's obviously. So unusual. <laughs> do you think I mean what do you think, Quinn? What do you really think? I think that's this is this is perfect. Andy is still yeah, one. Yeah, I think this is great. He, Andy was so unique and so different and yeah. so innovative. I agree. All right. Pioneer. Cindy, yeah, but Cindy was fucking awesome. Yeah. Now, okay. now we have an interesting case with Mongo. Mongo. He ain't going that high, Quinn. Yeah, I agree. Because his He's celebrity not. level wasn't high enough. It's the lowest on this list. <sighs> it's the lowest on this list, but okay, two things. A lot yeah. of heart. A lot of fucking heart. Joe. Tons of heart. No, tons, I agree. Tons of I fucking agree. heart. Longevity. <laughs> Longevity. Okay, okay, Don't yes. even, okay. Did multiple things. He now, announced. He came He came in and he brought his NFL credentials with him, right? And I'm Mongo, baby! I'm great, right? And he announced. And then he announced, right? Yep. Not only that, he was at WrestleMania. So yeah. these are just the early days. He had a little dog named Peppy, and it was great. And he had the matching clothes. And the matching clothes. To me, he's one of those pieces that we don't we don't say it that much, but he was one of the integral like look and feels of Nitro in a positive way. This yep. like party atmosphere kind of thing that so I they, that I always like. I've never seen recaptured on a wrestling TV show this weird like anything can happen here, baby. Yeah. I don't know what'll happen next. Like it feels like MTV Spring Break, like every episode yeah. of the early Nitros. Like it's weird. It's what they were going for in '93, but Nitro just did that feel better. It did it better, but I think Mongo was part of the yeah. one of those things that contributed to it. This this funky looking 
bait football player with a fucking mini dog with it. Like, this is the shit that, like, that, that's, like, what one of those things you think, oh, that's going to be at some weird college party or right, something. You yeah. know what I mean? He had that feel to him. Well, who'd you rather have, Mongo or Rob fucking Bartlett? Yeah, exactly. You know? Mongo was cooler than Rob Bartlett. No offense. No, he was. Anyway, and then, yes. after that, yes. once you think the Mongo, like, dog Peppy with the hat, it's all done, right? Yeah. Then he becomes a wrestler. And a then he very brings, bad one, though, Then Quinn. he brings his wife along, and then she's the queen a of WCW. A very bad one, though, Quinn. But then he's so fun. Yes, he is. He's a very bad wrestler, though. <laughs> yeah. We have to be honest. Hey, uh, no, I'm not. It's not an insult to the man. He, it has nothing to do with He's a very how, bad wrestler, but... It doesn't change how I feel about him. Does he contribute? Yes. Yeah. Did he have not, a great attitude? Are any of these people on this list good wrestlers, Joe? None of them did it full time. And yes, Dennis Rodman is probably a better wrestler Aww. than Mongo McMichael. Lawrence Taylor is better, too. I think Lawrence Taylor is That's a better wrestler. Sad, but- I think Mike, Mr. T may be a better wrestler. Mm. Okay. How- however. I think he's better than Pete Rose, Mongo. Could you give him that? Yeah. Could you just give him better than Pete Rose? Yeah, I'll give him better. I'll fucking certainly give him better than Pete Rose. Okay. Because look what he did. I, I mean, you <laughs> named all the things that he did. At it's least he was lot. committed. He meant it. With that said, though, I think the best I can do, Quinn... Could we put him over LT? Yes, but that's it. Aww. The reason I can put him above LT is this, and this is the only reason. They appeared at the same thing. Yeah. But then, like, Mongo did all this stuff after Mongo that, said, and LT never did. all that did. shit LT's doing, that's really cool. I want to do it full-time. But first, I, I'm going to announce! Yeah. <laughs> you know? I can learn everything in the business. The reason I can... <laughs> that's basically it. Now, look, if I really... I think Rodman might have been a little bit better than we gave him credit for. I mean, the dude had the heart, too. He had the personality True. for it. He really did try. He was an NWO member. He's multiple matches, multiple years. It's funny but, that Mongo could have fought Dennis Rodman. <laughs> like it was. They pl- existed in the same universe, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was very possible. Did they ever cross paths? <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. Like, I'm just some nitro. It's like, it's a warm-up match <laughs> yeah. for Dennis Rodman. It's like, he's going to have to take on Mongo. He's a rough customer. Oh, you're right about that, Tony Schiavone. Like, Lee Marshall. That's one thing I could always say about Mongo, just on an aside. When they said Mongo's a rough customer, I kind of believed it. Well, it's like, true. <laughs> like, he's not... You don't want to fight that guy. I wouldn't fight Mongo. Yeah. Seriously. I just don't think that he did anything important enough or memorable enough to be higher than where he is. And yes, I know Rodman, but... He was important enough to warrant a Twitter account that's called That's Our Mongo. That's a big deal. I, like I just it. don't consider him much of a celebrity. I uh, yeah, that's the one thing. It's like he's it's borderline. He's man. he's like a mid tier football player. Yeah, like I know that he was good. He's so. kind of like um, Ed Too Tall. No, not that guy. Who am I think? Ernie Ladd. It's like that kind. Of, it's the '90s version of like Ernie Ladd, uh, like a football player that. Yeah, he was a big deal, but he ne- he you know he left football. Yeah, so he wasn't like he never made it to like top levels or whatever. Ernie Ladd's also a better talker and wrestler than right. Steve McMichael for the record. Maybe that's what Mongo was like attempting to try. I don't think he had Ernie Ladd in mind if that's I'll be you. like Ernie Ladd. Like, you know. I remember him. I used to watch him all the time. An idol of mine. <laughs> like, you know, that shit. I just can't see justifiably putting Steve McMichael any higher. I'm that's sorry. Fair. But okay. I love him. It's an admirable number eight spot. He should be above LT because fucking WrestleMania 11. Who cares? It is not that good. I'm sorry, but who gives a flying okay. fuck? Okay, Steve McMongo, number eight. I think we got a list, Joe. I think we have a list. Now, I just want to mention a few people that got Oh, yeah, got I always close. forget. Here we go. We got close here, but they didn't get enough to get into the top ten. Leslie Nielsen. Well, 
That's okay. See, I think he's a big celebrity, but I don't I think that's top 10. Though. I didn't think what he did was very good. He didn't investigate. It was important. I like him a lot better in other things. He found The Undertaker. Maybe he'd still be missing, Joe. The Undertaker. I know. Yeah. Steve Allen. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good, but one time. acoustic environment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On that note, ding, ding, ding. Alex Trebek. I, I can't. That, it's like a nut. I don't think. I love Trebek, but. I almost think that's like why Regis seems bigger is just because he's like yeah. way better than fucking Alex Trebek. He did Trebek. more than Trebek. And Marla Maples. She did nothing. Uh, well, she was in the sweaty locker room with the nasty boys. Remember? Is, that's that, hard. That, that, that's that was, hard that to do. Tough, that's but. true. Bad Bunny. What? I don't. I watched one of his appearances. I'm like, this guy's like, yeah, he did a flip or whatever. Cool. This person, the next person, I'm actually surprised didn't get more votes because I thought he was absolutely fantastic, relevant, and a great heel. Floyd Mayweather. Yes. I thought I really thought we'd be talking about him. Interesting. He was tremendous. He was. It, it, you know what I think that hurt him? 2007, that's like when he was around. Eight, yeah. Like, or Nine, whatever, whatever yeah, it was. Like was. that time and, period. And Big Show. Yeah, they should have had him fight someone cooler. <laughs> it's just Big Show. Yeah. Just like Dragon Shit. Tap. Listen, I love Big Show as like a guy. He's really nice yeah, or whatever. Yes. But like, he had this a, is not the kind of, no. this is not a Big Show thing. No. Uh, and then Alice Cooper was right behind him. But huh. He, he he just held the snake or whatever. Not my air music. Yeah. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man made that better. Yes, he did. Honestly, yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> but uh, those are just some of the names that didn't make it. But thank you for everyone that voted. And a reminder: vote for next season's royal rankings. It is available now. Quinn, this puts a bow on the royal rankings of celebrities for the season. Next week will be the flush. But I say it's time we officially count it down. Number one, still number one, Andy Kaufman. Number two, Cindy Lauper. Three, Mr. T. Four, Bob Uecker. Five, Mike Tyson. Six, Regis. Great. Seven, a commentary every yeah. time. Seven, Dennis Rodman. Eight, Mongo. Nine, Lawrence Taylor. And ten is Pete Rose. That is the Royal Rankings, the best celebrities in wrestling of all time. Quinn, when we come back... Kind of a palate cleanser of sorts from that New Zealand trek we made last oh, week. God, that was horrible. It's all American, folks. I'm going to have all American wrestling, and that'll be coming up right after this. There's old Steve just chugging along. Yeah, I like that image for myself. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to be the idol of millions. I just want to play football and be in my own little world like you've enjoyed this afternoon. Visiting with the McMichaels, watching this on the field tough guy cuddle his beloved little Peppy is a sight to behold. <laughs> is he two different people though, to an extent? The side that we see on the TV show and, and the bully, so to speak, on the field as opposed to He's like know. a little Dennis the Menace. He's a real character. He he loves to he loves to act goofy in front of people and do the shock value what he says. I'm gonna go buy an Irish wolfhound and just beat the <laughs> out of him every day. <laughs> my defense mechanism is my my comedy, my candor, my vulgarity. So people, if it if it offends them, they leave me alone. Hello, wrestling fans, it's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy, we're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then 
for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson. Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about Booking the Territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here. It is episode 239. 239! Thank you, Quinn. Quinn, we are accepting review requests, right? We do that. We do that. And folks, if you want us to review something, go to our Facebook group, vote for the Royal Rankings, and after you do that, there's another announcement post called Specific Episode Review Requests. And all you do is post either the date and the name of the show, or if it's on YouTube or somewhere on the internet, put the link there. The only thing we ask is if you want a greater chance of us doing it, make sure it's a one-hour show or less. If you've ever noticed what we review on this, it's not anything over one hour. Right. And this time around, it is a suggestion from our old friend of the show, one of the first ever OVP fans, the wrestling man, Bill Yankovi. Wrestling man himself. There he is. Check out his show, That Wrestling Show with Bill Yankovi. Oh, there he is. Been doing it for 25 years or something like that. 25 glorious years, <laughs> and then he does the Larry Zabisco thing. New World Odor. Uh, but we love you, Bill. Thank you for being a great friend of the show and a mm-hmm. supporter for five years almost that we've been doing this. It's day one. Yeah. Bill wanted us to do, Quinn, All-American Wrestling. Yep. January 7th, 90. Now, what the hell is All-American Wrestling? Real quick. Back in 1983, the WWF decided to get into the cable television game. So at the time, we had Championship Wrestling syndicated and All-Star Wrestling syndicated. And there was a promotion called Southwest Championship Wrestling that ran a cable show. And they went out of business when there was problems. And Vince swooped in and got the time slot. Like he likes to do. He would never hurt anyone, Quinn. No. No. He never, ever hurt anyone. In September of 1983, All-American Wrestling debuted. (laughs) Hello, everyone. This is Vince McMahon in the studios of the USA Cable Network. We wholeheartedly welcome you to the premiere of All-American Wrestling. And it debuted as initially a spotlight on not just the WWF, but other promotions. Matches from other territories would be featured. Excuse me. We need to review one of those. That sounds super weird. We should sometime, actually. That's a good idea. Someone put a a request there. And the general idea is that Vince did this not to spotlight the other promotions, but to try to woo woo, certain superstars from these uh, promotions I'll put and your territories. Match on here yes. and, hey, they'll know who you are now. Correct. You, know, you can come over to me. That type of thing. And quickly it became a recap show, more or less. It's very recappy. It's very recappy. And the most notable version is hosted by Mean Gene. I want to say from 86 onward is yeah. Mean Gene. This kind of show is very much in the vein of what anything with Doc in the chin room became or, or Todd in the mania room. Yeah. It's like the same format. What Quinn means is an unimportant show where they recap some of the stuff going yeah, on. Todd and Stephanie Wine. Right. Yeah. But the main point is to sell either the upcoming pay-per-view or the house shows. Right. That's they're, really the point. They're just like, here, every, between every match, it's like, you could buy tickets to this or there's a pay-per-view coming up. That's like, all it's it is. One, of, one or the other. There's not a lot of effort put into this. And again, this is a, <laughs> there's really not. Very low effort. Very low effort. And this is a cable show, so it's not part of the syndication package. Yeah. It's more like a condensed version of primetime in terms of importance. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter, this show. Yeah. All-American. It's mainly Mean Gene's time to fuck around. Like, primetime's Gorilla and Bobby fucking around. This was Gene's show. It ran until 1994. We reviewed the last one in one of our most infamous reviews, because Quinn flips the fuck out about the baseball thing. It's all bad. <laughs> Enough. They have no right. 
This company literally is coming off a steroid trial like months ago, not even years, months ago, where like Vince McMahon's in a neck brace trying to avoid prosecution and a shady doctor and like Hulk Hogan on the stand. And they're going on about the moral high ground and baseball. They're they're horrible people for canceling the Fuck you. That last All-American is one of the most hideous shows i have ever had the honor of reviewing i guess or dishonor it's where it's todd and dibiase it is so bad yep. there's like bad doink shit on it it's like, terrible like dang on a bicycle <laughs> like every single aspect of that was bad it was but it was pretty fun at least during the mean gene era and when it did end in 94 it was replaced by action zone which mattered very briefly and then became <laughs> the todd and doc chin room hour but anyway we're here January 7th, 1990, so the 90s have just begun, and obviously it's Royal Rumble season, Quinn. Oh, yes. So let's see what we have in store here. This is WWF All-American Wrestling, January 7th, 1990. Back to the Mean Gene Comedy Hour. Pretty much, this, Quinn. Okay, here's the thing. is Every one of these, Gene is doing like a skit or something. That's like his trademark. Episode. He most likely, because it's only an hour show, which means it's only 45 minutes, and he's usually on only like three to four times, this probably took... About 15 minutes total yeah. to record. They don't even talk about the matches. It's <laughs> yeah. not like primetime. You know How what I mean? How many of these do you think they churned out? They probably did like three, four, five in a shot. Seriously, this yeah. is nothing. <laughs> we got our standard patriotic opening, you know, featuring all sorts of American stuff. Yeah, Eagle Flies because America. America. Yeah. Very American. Very am- It's all American, yeah. Quinn. A lot of 80s clips, you know, because yeah. this is only January of 1990. Logo looks so dated, even for 1990. It does. I'm sorry. Like, even, even for 1990. Yeah, it looks very crappy. So Mean Gene welcomes us with sunglasses on, and they're all fucked up on his face. Mm-hmm. And today he's with Hillbilly Jim, and apparently he's still hung over from last weekend, New Year's Eve, and Granny's Moonshine. Bleepers, folks. He gave me that uh, whatever came in that Mason fruit jar that Granny puts together. I don't she run it through stainless steel. So Gene also has his tie all undone, no jacket, and he runs down the action. No spoilers, Quinn. Yeah, I can't say it, damn it. <laughs> I, I put that in my notes now. Cannot say. I like try not to even listen to them. We can't. We don't talk about the spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Gene says, Quinn, that he has a major headache. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hillbilly gets all excited and Gene somberly just sends us to ringside. Where the Ultimate Warrior charges out with heroic it's hair. It's pretty good. Because we're, good we're getting close to WrestleMania 6. That's here. right. He's the Intercontinental Champion, of course. He acts like a maniac and the kids are all excited. That's Everyone's right. like, oh, Ultimate Warrior, he is the best. It's like, a great you know, time. Like, yeah. Now, this is from Wrestling Challenge. That's the other thing I should mention. Very rarely on All-American do you get exclusives. Yeah. Occasionally, but usually they just throw they shit off from Challenge. shit for no, All-American. It's rare. So it's Challenge, and this is the era where it's Gorilla and Shivani on commentary, and mm-hmm. Mike McGurk, of course, the ring announcer. Right. Warrior's opponent is going to be Lee Peak. I'd say wrestling <laughs> wrestling the Warrior is the peak of his career. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Lee gets Ugh. all bold to start Quinn, and he tries to attack. Never a good idea against the ultimate. <laughs> what was he even thinking? <laughs> stupid. And uh, Warrior just chops him out of the ring, goes on after him, rams him into the apron, back in, big backdrop. He's kicking the shit shit out warrior just beats the crap out of this guy yeah like, take a peek at him it, it's amazing it's great by the way i love tony shivani's voice yeah, i know some it, people do it too good. it's very good rolling peek back in the ultimate warrior will follow him in now peek reluctantly gets up and watch out now and we get an insert promo now from canadian earthquake right, i forgot he's canadian only right still now. canadian not just earthquake <laughs> right at all yet 
And of course, Dino Bravo Quinn, who is very crony yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And Bravo acts like Earthquake is going to help him win the IC title. Yeah, Dino Bravo, sure. <laughs> He's going to be the Intercon. Get out of here. What is that feud? Why does it last so long? It's horrible. Bravo Earthquake. The funny part so is Earthquake's long. there, so it's like immediately Dino Bravo doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like he's extra garbage. He's not even Shawn Michaels and Diesel like crony. No, it's like, much it's not worse. not even that. It's much, you know much what worse. I mean? Yes. It's not, it's, 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 it's its own level. It's Earthquake and Dino Bravo crony. Yeah, it's its own canon. Yeah. Anyway, we get a press slam by the warrior to the four? Gorilla looks like Peak has met his peak. <laughs> of course, looks like Peak has met his peak all the way down. Back inside cover and goodbye. Good. This is how you do an opener. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. And the uh, referee was Daniel Davis, who okay. actually had decent Did hair. Talk to anybody during this? I, I didn't even know this. Too this quick. It's too quick to talk. This is, this is just we're getting it done here. Love to chat, but Peak is getting thrown to the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his hair is not as good as Warriors, though. And anyway, this was good because it was fast. Warrior now carries Peak backstage for fun <laughs> yeah. before just dumping him in the aisle. Oh, what a face. So nice. I love it, though. Yeah, so I don't good. care. <laughs> I like that gimmick where Warrior would do that sometimes. Does he think he's being a nice guy? Then he just, just like dumps right him on the floor. before the, like, the last second before he goes to the curtain, he drops him like for humor. For yeah. humor. Back to Mean Gene with Hillbilly. Gene is laughing as he tells Hillbilly to calm down. So cheesy. Oh, hungover. Gene then asks, what what day is it? And Hillbilly tells him it's Sunday. And then Hillbilly Jim wants to offer Gene some, uh, I got some possum livers, you know, with the pickled pig's feet. Yep, all the disgusting stuff. Hangover, get it. Get it. Hangover. Yeah. What are they, writing for a sitcom with this? This with, is very like Raymond or something. Or Becky when she drank too much on Roseanne. How about if I get over and bring you some of them good old possum livered, possum livers covered with pickled pig's feet? How about that? How, how Would you like some of that? We now cut to update with Gene before going on his bender. So this is like pre-recorded Gene. Yeah. So he's not hungover in the update segments. Right, right. And uh, this is from the pages of World Wrestling Federation of magazine, of course. And the top story right now is Brutus Beefcake. What a package versus Rick Martel. <laughs> Gene, Brutus Beefcake, quite a cut up. Saying all the things. Also, Quinn, he keeps calling Rick Martel Rick the fashion model Martel. I, saw, I heard this. And good thing they didn't stick with that. <laughs> too much. Too long. The fashion model like, Martel. Isn't it implied? It's not like a clay model. He, he, you know what he was saying, though? The fashion model <laughs> the, Martel. Rick the fashion model <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Yeah. Uh, we now plug Royal Rumble 90, which is a tremendous event. It's available on a pay-per-view basis. 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 Don't forget the basis. <laughs> it's important. The whole show. Basis. Basis. They did say that a lot in the early what days, is it, right? Why, why is it a basis? It's, just, it's on pay-per-view. Well, just order it. What is this basis? Well, that's the basis at which you would view it. It's an unnecessary paying, word. It's an unnecessary word to make it sound more important or something. per your view. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we uh, now get a clip from last week on Superstars. Where the WWF Tag Team Champions Demolition were defending their titles against the Colostomy Connection. That's definitely their name. Andre and Haku. So Axe with an atomic drop on Haku. Andre gets the blind tag in and does the happy headbutts and then even happier choking. Hey, he knows Axe well, though. That's true. They have history back to the 84 camp. They do. That's right. I could beat you, Andre the Giant. Fuck you. I've got strategy. You see, everyone's (laughs) focusing on the mask. That's true. That's like what he always says. While they're doing that, I'm going to kick their asses. Yeah. Very deep conversation. <laughs> it's, it's always really long. <laughs> He's so good. Bill Eady is good. Bill Eady is 
man, again, another guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's more because Bill Eady wants to there's negotiate problems. or something. Yeah, there's I problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is smart. He's probably looking for the best deal. If like, we're not going to make money, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the right price. <laughs> Smash wanders in now and beats way on Andre, but Haku's in. Smash gets sent out by Hebner, and Haku lands a thrust kick on Axe. Elbow drop by Andre. Cover one, two, three. No. New, ch- new champions. Dude, the booze are piped in way too loud. Oh they God. sound all fake. It's the thing I always say. They go into business for themselves. They're like, oh, we got to see a title change. Yay. Like, we don't care if it's a heel or face. We just right. saw it. Something like, happened yeah, at this four-hour taping. It's horrible. Like, all these jobber matches and stuff. In Wheeling, West Virginia, wherever yeah. they are. But, Joe, you know it's true. The, the cheering because something happened. Cheer. No, I know. <laughs> like, it's, it's a real thing. You know what? It's also a problem. They're mixing on superstars in general sometimes in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. The, the fake crowd noise is way too loud. Yep. Anyway, Bobby is glorious in his celebration. And you know what? They did just kind of calmly win. Like, they I just, don't blame him. They just beat Good Demolition. Good win for Bobby. Yeah. Solid, like, recovery after the Brain Busters lost it. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good point. And then we go back now to Mean Gene, who says, we've witnessed history. On tape delay. On, t- yeah. <laughs> On tape delay, He yes. makes it sound like this was live or something. Yeah. I just saw. <laughs> You've just witnessed history. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway. We now get comments from the Colossal Connection, and they're all happy. Bobby's in all his glory, and Andre's like, When did this start year? One year, one which was start the year. Haku, all happy. Happy New Year! Yeah, just, <laughs> just like all, it's good. all friendly. <laughs> happy New Year! Happy New Year! Now we go over to the demolition now, where Captain Axe says that celebration doesn't last forever, so fuck off. Yeah. And Smash is like, Hey, we don't have our belts, but we're going to get them back. Good! <laughs> Man, you know what I like about these two? What? They don't bitch after they lose the title. They're just like, you want to fight again? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Meanwhile, Hogan's like, oh my God. This is a hundred dollar bill. Oh, Jack Tony. He's like crying <laughs> yeah. and shit. It's like, the demolition's just like, come on. Like, <laughs> let, let's do it again. Hogan's like, title wave yeah, and all this like, shit. Oh, you know? It's so bullshit. <laughs> this is why demolition was the best. They didn't bitch when they lost the title. They just go got him back. And they did. Yeah. Three Pete. This era is good, Quinn. It's this true. is such a good era. It's very true. It's one of my favorite eras. Uh, go back to Gene, who says, it's ironic that all four guys will be in the Royal Rumble. No, it's ironic. Is it, though? No, it's not That's, ironic at why all. Why is it ironic? That's, it's, it's not. A, it's that way every year. <laughs> like, what are they talking about? If anything, it's a coincidence, but yeah. it's not irony. No. Anyway, back to ringside now, where Bobby Heenan is leading Rick Rude down the aisle. He's a douchebag, but the best deal ever. Rude? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. yeah. Like, he look, This we're in, like, extra douchey rude mode right now. Still with the puffy hair. Yeah, the puffy means Douche. big asshole. Yeah, yeah, not a serious, yeah, like, douchey yeah. asshole. Yeah. This is from Superstars now, so it's Vince and Jussie on commentary. Cut the music. And what Rude would like to have right now is for all the fat, out of shape, Alabama idiots to keep the noise down. Always makes it work. Is for all you fat. Dan Davis is again the referee here, and he paces around smirking as Rude does the routine. Bobby has his shitty pink shirt. Quinn, you notice that under the you know <laughs> yeah, that the, pink shirt, the fucking pink shirt with the with the crappy like windbreaker thing <laughs> yes. or whatever that is. Yeah, what is that shirt? It's bad. I don't even know who Rude is fighting here. They don't say, and I don't care anyway. He's a loser with a mustache. It's just that's all you need to know. Looks like he should be the ref. Yeah. Anyway, insert promo from a shirtless and sweaty Roddy Piper who says pretty chubs too. <laughs> yeah. But did you notice that? 
<laughs> yeah, he's chunky. Yeah, which he's, is weird because like within a couple months he's in really good shape again. Yeah, like in it, ninety, I remember he, like, all 90. of a sudden he's like toned and like thin and stuff. Now Piper, as usual, says nothing and everything. You know the way he is. Oh, yep. I'm gonna tell you like, uh, something about cabbage patch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Piper. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. I have no. I never it doesn't know. matter. That's the point. Like you're supposed to be like okay. Yeah, like, that's Roddy Piper. Yeah, that's what he does. It's fine. Back to ringside where a weasel chant is in progress here and a rude awakening just gets the pin. Good. Quite a pace, I love, Quinn. I love it. I love it so much. Well, this is a good pick, Bill. Yeah. Uh, rude swivels away as Vince brings up the Jesse the Body Award. Yes, we're still talking mm-hmm. about that. Bobby now announces Rude as the winner. And now it's time, Quinn, to pick a lady t- for the other right. Rude Awakening. The, 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 the Rude Awakening, like, kissy kiss. The kissy face version, yeah. yes. So Rude gets on the mic and says, after close observation... There isn't a female in Alabama woman enough to lace my boots. <laughs> Nobody has ever topped this heeldom. Yep. Like, he has zero redeeming <laughs> yeah, qualities. There is nothing, you can't say anything positive about recruiting. He's not There's, cool. I don't think anyone has ever been able to, like, replicate this. It's He's hard. purely horrible. He's, like, he, th- there is just... There's nothing positive you can say about him. No, he's not nice From at all. From the day we meet him in wrestling to the day he leaves wrestling, yep. he's just an asshole. He's never nice to anybody. No. He is mean to women. Yep. He's mean to other people. Yep. He's an asshole. Yeah, there's nothing good about him. He's the best heel of all time. All the men hate him. What I do like about his healy aspects is that the women, when he comes out, are all like, they look past the heel them. They don't care. But they're sitting next to their husbands or boyfriends, they which care. just makes it so, it's such a perfect gimmick. It is. You're absolutely right. But you know what I'll tell you? We go to Sean Mooney now in the event center, specifically for All-American. Just to annoy me. <laughs> Why is he here? Like, we already <laughs> got a like, hype show. <laughs> this show is a hype show. The whole thing is a hype Ugh. show. Mean Gene's been saying pay-per-view basis 50 times. He has. You're right. And Mooney now hypes up the Rumble, including that heroic Bossman Duggan match. It's very good pay-per-view basis, though. <laughs> Remember. It is. It's, it's one of the greatest matches of the year. It's, it's fantastic. It's a great match in 1990. Dave Meltzer gave it negative stars. He's horrible. That's not right. At least three and a half. It's, <laughs> I think we did give it like three something. It was good. It's so good. <laughs> anyway, first promos for the submission match. That's right. So Jimmy Hart is here all proud with Greg Valentine. You've been a thorn in my side for a long time, Roddy Garvin. A thorn in Jimmy Hart's side. And now we're going to put you out. I'm okay with these comments. <laughs> it is very okay. You know, he's right. Because remember those jokes at SummerSlam 89 when Garvin yeah. was the ring announcer? They're not nice. Didn't he pester him from the outside, too, on the platform yeah. or some shit yeah. while he was wrestling? What, are we at a Friars Club roast? What are we doing uh, here? The, 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 the roast of Greg Valentine. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. It'd be great, actually. I'd go to that if I could. It's a bunch of wrestlers making fun of Who him. Who makes the joke, like, looks like mom or whatever? I don't know. Probably, like, Brutus Beefcake, That's his a longtime Brutus Beefcake personal joke. friend. Remember the nice photo of them sitting on recliners together, like watching TV? Nice. It's funny. Okay, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Valentine, by the way, looks particularly grumpy, which is good. He looks yeah. <laughs> so pissy. Back to Mooney, who explains what a submission match is. The winner of this encounter is the one that doesn't submit. <sighs> More rumble hype, and we get a promo from the Hulkster who says, uh, it's going to be a tough match for everyone. 30 men. Two minutes apart. You never know if you're going to have five friends on your side. You never know if you're going to have five friends on your side. To be fair, Hogan doesn't even have five friends. No. So, But I mean, what is he? He's getting it all wrong. It's only foes. 
Yeah, there's not friends. What do you mean friends? There's no friends. There's only foes. So, we've, we've explained this so many times. This is why when Hogan gets somebody turns on him, he makes such a big deal about it, right? Because he thinks he should have friends in it, but it's literally like in the rules that there's only foes. It's only supposed to be foes. Yeah. There's no fucking friends. Well, you cannot get mad if somebody's not your friend if they're usually your friend. Right. You it's know? a Royal Rumble. It's like, no. Just no. Every man for himself. Yeah. Only foes. Not every... <laughs> Not every man help Hulk Hogan win. Yeah. The fuck is this? So annoying. Anyway, he then talks about, I shit you not, the multi-million dollar man. He always says that. I know. Every time. He never calls him his real name. (laughs) I love it. And how he's trying to pay off that senile Jack Tunney. What a jerk. Don't worry. He'll win and then pose. Yes. You know what he does. He wins and poses. Yeah. Anyway, Fink now hypes the rumble. I don't know if we've had enough people hyping the show, Quinn. And uh, we go to break. Yeah. And then we get a weird, like... The, the bumper image is like a weird, like it's a box with whatever's next or whatever coming up or whatever. But above it, there's an animated Gene and Hillbilly. Which <laughs> yes, I was there like, is. It's super strange. Like, did they make that just for this? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was always an animated Gene. How did they get a Hillbilly so quick? They drew it. Wow. They must have someone in the art department on the, on the ready, right? <laughs> well, there's he- no way they know ahead of time. Like, th- there could only be maybe five days notice tops to draw that. You know what, though? There's the possibility that Hillbilly was the regular co-host for this period of time. Maybe. He might have been. I don't remember. Richard can tell us or somebody, but yeah. he might have been. But anyway, we're back now with, hey, why not Vince hyping the Royal Rumble? Only foes. No fucking friends, fuckers. <laughs> like, it's true, basically. Uh, so to ringside for superstars again, where Brutus Beefcake's music hits to a great reaction. Now he struts out, but he doesn't cut. You can't cut out. You don't cut out. Yeah. No, we don't do that. Uh, his opponent is a greasy-looking George South. Yeah, him. It's 1990 WWF, so he's has like about a 0% chance of winning. That's, Absolutely. If Jericho was doing the intros, that's <laughs> zero, zero, out zero, zero out of 10. Nothing. <laughs> he's going to lose. Guess what, Quinn? The referee, Danny David. Was everyone else furloughed this weekend? What no, is you know what? This? I think they, they, maybe they just... That seems actually accidental because if they just pick whatever just yeah. to fill it, yeah, I know. it probably just was like purely... They just only <laughs> picked Danny Davis matches by accident it's fine i don't yeah. mind him uh we get a lock up beefcake back south to the ropes clean break vince and jesse hype up the beefcake genius match for royal rumble one of your favorite feuds it's yeah. fun yeah i don't care there's a there's a good clip of you saying like, like and now genius comes out with like and he messes with brutus Beef. i just remember you being really excited about genius wait really yeah it's i forget what that's from it's a good time there's some good times in this period yeah. of time man uh jesse with a great line Hey, I've lost more hair than you've ever had, McMahon. Uh-huh. That's a good one. Beefcake throws south outside. We get a tremendous insert promo from Rick Martell, who says, uh, I'm going to take a closer look at this match. Wait, he's coming out of the box? That's even possible? <laughs> yeah, like, that's rare that. on fucking superstars. <laughs> right, like box continuity? Yeah, like where he's like, you know what? I'm just coming over there. <laughs> like, it's like that like, really doesn't happen. Never. That often. I've never you, seen you, it. They're just like, you suck. And then yeah. they just like disappear or whatever. So I think I'm going to come take a closer look. Yeah. So it, you, it's real. <laughs> it is real. I think I'm going to go and take a closer look at you. Big rights by the beefer back inside. Irish whip sleeper. South heads south as Danny Davis smirks. Arm drops thrice. And that's all she wrote. As the barber grabs his shears and threatens a haircut. Honestly, though, Quinn, for George South, it would be an improvement <laughs> to cut true. that hair. That's very true. It is greasy. But <laughs> it is greasy. But Quinn, you know, beefcake then grabs the tiny scissors because, you know, actual hair. 
That's because tiny equals serious, Joe. I, I've tried to explain this to you over the years. You keep you always say to me, it's like, it's so unthreatening when he has the tiny scissors, but you can't really cut someone's hair with the big scissors. You could. So to me, when I see the tiny scissors, I'm like, oh shit, he's really going to cut that guy's hair. True. Like it's realistic now. It matters now. Yeah. Now, now it's like a risk, right? It's like the, <laughs> the, the, the hedge clippers are more like the sign that the barber's here. They're symbolic. But when he whips out the tiny ones, you're like, oh no. When you whip out your tiny ones, what do people say? <laughs> Let us know at Ogden, Utah. Do they say, oh no? They might say. <laughs> That's a serious question. Now, I got to say, when it's really not very nice that Beefcake does these things. <laughs> He's a fucking dick. Whatever. Like, it's not nice to cut people's hair when they don't want I mean, one. He didn't really ever turn face technically. He just got like kicked out of that tag team. That shitty tag team because yeah. Dino Bravo was there. Yeah. They did him a favor, honestly. They did him a favor, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, suddenly Rick Martell does wander up to the platform Looking like he's about to flash people in Central Park in the trench <laughs> yeah, coat. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it looks so weird. <laughs> Dressed this like Don Linus. He's like, ha ha, you want, to see, you want to see what is under. Look at my coat. Yeah, you look, see what's under my coat? At, at, this is how a real man dressed. <laughs> like, you know, like, I love early model because he's like really trying way too hard to be this character and he yes. can't speak proper English. So it like really. That's why it works. It's so hilarious. That's like, why that's a great gimmick yeah. for him. Because when he has a face, he just sounds like kind of doofy like yeah we are going to strike with lightning force yeah, you know yeah. but when he's a heel it's just like i am the model <laughs> yeah. i had these very nice clothes made like you know like you know like he's trying to say these like really long sentences in his broken english like take a look at my my beautiful face take a look at it from this side and then this side you yeah, know it's usually like a stunted sentence yes. like it's amazing he is good i love him i love i love yep. rick martell anyway he gives beefcake a bunch of shit and says his styles his style sucks. He's like, you look like a bum. You're an insult to fashion. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. You understand? This is what a man with class should look like. Beefcake then heads Martel's way, so the model runs away. Of course he does. Yeah. Danny Davis meets him there to get Martel the hell out of there. Earl Hebner and Mike Kyoto wander out also. Beefcake, however, has a hold of Martel's very stylish trench coat and fedora. That's my coat. <laughs> like he says it. He does. He's like, he hey, points. He's like, hey, that's my coat. <laughs> He has my coat! Like, it's real. This is, a, this is a better character, honestly, at age 36. I'm realizing this is a better character than I ever really thought. This is nuance to it. There's very much like mounty style nuance. Yeah. Like that, that, that you have to look for. Yeah. Like, you, you don't notice it on first viewing as a yeah. kid. Must be a French Canadian thing, huh? Yeah. All the nuance. Style up there. Style. That's how they do it. That's right. Anyway, uh, Beefcake stomps on the hat. Is Martel looking like a stockbroker on a coke bender now with the white shirt? Oh, that, and like the- that suit was very like Wall, Wall Street, Street, but uh, cocaine Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. 87 Wall yeah. Street. Uh, Beefcake then cuts up the coat, which honestly, Quinn, really just mean. Yeah, I don't like that. It's not nice. It's probably expensive. Or they lent it to him because he's a model, right? That's how they do it. Oh. Which means he has to return it, so it's super mean, which is he, which also means he's going to have to pay for it now. Sir, what happened here? The guy, the guy, the, the wrestler Imagine that uses him, yeah, scissors to cut the hair, he cut up my coat. You got to believe me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to believe me. You have to. <laughs> Would have been a good vignette, actually. At the, like, return desk yeah. or whatever. At, like, Bloomingdale's yeah. or some shit. You have to believe you have to believe me. I brought the tape of the show. Look. Who did it, sir? Brutus the Barber Beefcake. What do you mean? Who did it? What? What I've is his real name, yeah. sir? Like Your barber did this to you? Yeah. No, not my barber. The barber. He's called the barber. That's what they call him. Do I look like I go to barber? Then he gets on the line with his manager at that point. <laughs> so we're going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your bill. Yeah. Anyway, Jesse points out that Beefcake is destroying somebody's property, but... 
He suggested, if anything, Beefcake just do that to one of McMahon's suits. Oh, okay. Well, then he'd be okay with it. Fair. Martell's music plays, <laughs> by really the way, funny. as Beefcake continues to cut up the coat on wrestling television. This is so stupid. I know, I love it. It's so long, too, which is really funny. This is a long so this But is for, like, like, humor's sake, it's long. It's very long. Yeah. Beefcake then puts the coat on, and this Quinn proved to me that his attire does look like he cut it away with his clippers because when yeah. he puts the Martell coat on, so he cuts the he cuts the sleeves off, so he's wearing it like it's like an Ultimate Warrior coat or something, like a duster. But it's all frilly because he cut it right. So Jesse was always right. What what a package! What a package! The fans love it. Random cut now, absolute cold cut to Bret Hart. This was I, what the fuck was this? <laughs> I don't know. Just what I mean, they don't just care. like a live show. It wasn't even like. For like superstars no. or anything like that. It's just Greg Valentine taking on Bret Hart in the Meadowlands. <laughs> the camera's not good. Like everything's poor. Yeah, it's all a Meadowlands house yeah. show. Joined in progress, Tony and Alfred Hayes on the call, Ooh. which I like them. Bret Hart with a couple of his own. Valentine returns fire. We're in the middle of Bret making a comeback. Right hands on the hammer. Referee is, I don't know, Grumpy Gary. I don't know the guy's name. Who knows? I, I don't like that guy. Every <laughs> time he comes on, he, his hair like is always like drooping over down to his like eyebrows and or he's something. he's scowling all the yeah, time. it's very weird. Valentine with a forward flop. He begs off. Body slammed by the hitman. Leg drop. Snap. Suplexa gets two. Irish whip by Bret. Fist to the gut. O'Connor roll for a very close two. This is definitely a three. Who is this ref? <laughs> Like, he actually counts three. Yeah, he fucked up the count. Fucking, this guy looks like he works at, like, a subway terminal or something. He was like, actually the one uh, trying to help Martell with the coat return. Yeah. Anyway, Brett with his backbreaker, second rope on the inside, but Mr. Perfect hops up on the apron. Subway terminal. It looks like the Who guy... works at the terminal? So there's always got to be, like, a human being. Like, nobody really uses well, him. relatively you know speaking. Guy, you know the guy behind the glass, but it's not even at the main station. It's just one of the crappy ones. Yeah. The guy that has to watch over the place. Fucking 14th Street Station. Yeah, it's like he and and Kevin he sits Bowery. in like a locked box because it's kind of dangerous or whatever. Just put a damn mannequin in there. Yeah, and be the, almost the, the same. The lighting is practically like green in there because it's like the bulb is from like 1962. I swear, some of those subway stations is a time warp. Yeah, like seriously. Imagine that's your like desk every day. It's got to be a good place to listen to podcasts though because you're just. <laughs> It's like, you just sit there all day. Like, who the hell actually is like, I'm having trouble with the ticket machine. Can you sell me a ticket here? Yeah, just jump like, the turnstile. When does that ever happen? It never I'm just happened. Because that's what that guy's there for, the emergency where the machine broke. Like, that's literally his job as the backup. If you or someone <laughs> you know is affiliated with somebody that works in a subway booth, tell them to listen to OVP yeah. to pass the time. No, but you're right, though. You go down in one of these stations, these shitty ones in, in New York, and you'll see ads for, like, Sears Roebuck. I'm just saying. It's, it gets weird down there. For CompuServe. You're like, when was the last time somebody, like, did maintenance on right. this, this particular station? Red like, paint? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on I don't down know. there? <laughs> President Carter campaign yeah. stickers. Like, there is a train that stops there every couple minutes. It's just nobody cares about the spot where it stops. No, they just want to leave. Yeah. Anyway... Brett hits his backbreaker. Second rope on the inside. Mr. Perfect suddenly is out here and hops up on the apron. What is going on here? This is such a weird thing. This very is very odd. house show. Very filler. Yeah. Brett is distracted, so Valentine lands a knee to the back. What is this, from June? I don't know. So then I check, actually, right? May 8th, 89. Close. Yeah. <laughs> Seven months ago. I mean, Perfect ago. has the, green, the, 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 the neon green. That's how you know it's old. Yeah, because he didn't wear that in 90. I only wore that in, like, mid-89. <laughs> to fill you in on the timeline, folks, this is when Brett and Perfect were having, guess what, a house show feud. Right. When Brett was, like, 
kind of a singles wrestler, but he wasn't really, you know. Mm -hmm. Brett's in trouble now, so the hammer goes after the leg. Perfect, still there, cheering on Valentine. Figure four is set up. Kick off to the turnbuckles by Brett. Roll up. One, two, three. Fuck yes. Okay. Oh, wait. The bell allegedly rang before the fucking three Morty over here. Yeah, this guy, fucking Morty. This ref sucks. Worse than Terry York. Subway terminal guy or whatever. <laughs> That's what we're calling him from now on. If we run into him, give me some fucking subway tokens. Anyway, yeah. this unfortunately was a twenty-minute draw, Quinn. Yeah, Ugh. seemed like it was pretty good. Brutal though. I don't know. I haven't seen it for. I've seen twenty this show. minutes with Greg Valentine. Yeah, Woof. but he's warmed up by then. Yeah, but only the last five minutes. <laughs> Better than nothing, man. Yeah. I'm just got to tell you what you can get with him. Mm-hmm. Back to Mean Gene, who is still complaining about the noise. I couldn't believe all the screaming that took place when Beefcake cut up Martell's jacket. And Hillbilly gets loud, so Gene's like, keep it down! <laughs> I don't know if I could take any more noise. It's oh, me boy, I tell you, it gets me excited. I'm not here. I'm about to... Oh, I'm sorry. Gene, don't go. I'm just keep, kind of... Keep it down! Okay, easy. We now go to Brother Love oh, on Superstars. great. Quinn, with him, every heel manager. Good. This... <laughs> This isn't to me. This is like an all timer. I love this 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 shot of them all standing I next do to too. each other. It's great. Yeah. So we got Bobby Heenan, uh huh, Jimmy Hart, uh huh, Queen Sherry, uh huh, Slick, and Mister Fuji. It's already good. No yeah, one yeah. said anything yet. I mean, you got the sister Queen there, like yep. with Brother Love. Yes. The Fuji. Sherry's yep. dancing to the Brother Love theme. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. Like, she literally is like as it starts up. She's literally like, like swaying, doing like right? doing like the yeah. like. 1970s like your mom style dance like you know what i mean like yeah, no yes but back then it's that's that's pretty recent my so, mom was also a big fan of madonna and Cindy yeah, there Lopper. you go the, the, the snaps yeah the snap and clap the, the snap and clap that's what <laughs> sherry's doing brother love says it'll be every man for himself at the royal rumble but sherry butts in to say the only man that deserves <laughs> to win the macho king randy savage of course she does hey I, Again, I've always loved her earnest support of Macho. Like she, in her mind, every other person in this Fed sucks. Right. Like there are all these managers. Why are they managing these people? What a bunch of losers! (laughs) I have Macho Man. One royalty that deserves to win the Royal Rumble, and one man that will come out victorious over anyone. But Jimmy Hart laughs and tells Sherry Baby that he's got an unbeatable combination in the Rumble. Greg Valentine, Honky Tonk Man, Dino Bravo, and Canadian Earthquake, baby! All of that's decent other than Dino Bravo. Like, that's a pretty good honky. <laughs> Don't I mean, look at me like that all earnestly. Honky Tonk Man. But yeah. you know what I like here? Jimmy believes in his guys. Yeah. Like, he's just like, no, they're all good! I, I thought this team up, baby! <laughs> yeah. I'm my, friends with all of them! My combination, baby! Yeah. But Sherry's like, hey, fuck those guys. But now Slick comes in to say, everyone must be living in the Wonderland. Because you know why? He's got Akeem. This is weird. Okay, can Akeem I, stinks in Why 90. does he only say Akeem? Yeah, he still has Doesn't his he boss have man. big boss man yeah. still? Oh, because boss man's not in the Rumble. Oh, he's fighting Duggan, the Duggan. Yeah. In that excellent match. Although Akeem's really fat, so he, that works in the Royal Rumble. True, it does. And then F- Fuji, what's the matter with you? Ha ha. My powers of fan. Ha, 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 ha. Like, that's basically all he says. Yeah. He doesn't even, like, it's Fuji, so he, the least effort possible yep. with the maximum amount of impact. I have the powers of pain. Two big and strong men. My powers of pain win. <laughs> you so immediately fast. hate him. Yeah, like, just, what a dick. Yeah. And, of course, Bobby comes in now to tell everyone to stop, and in very much Bobby Heenan fashion, 
He puts over the heel wrestlers, but guess what? He manages Rick Rude. Okay. And Andre the Giant and Haku. Tag champs. That's right. And then he tells all the managers to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bro- Brother Love like happily signs us off by hyping his Brother Love show at the Rumble. This was all great. This was though. great. I love seeing all I these managers. Even, like, it was weird seeing Bobby like throw insults at Sherry, for example. I didn't like that. It I made was me like, very uncomfortable. I was like, hey, like, don't leave her alone. <laughs> she's the good. She's the manager that I always say is the most underrated out of all of them. Yeah, probably. Way better. Like she's like she's close to like Bobby Jimmy level. She's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Back to sober Gene for another Royal Rumble. Starting report. to wear off, right? No, this is just oh, like this the, is the other gene. Yeah. Sorry, but basically, point uh, the point of the Royal Rumble is please order it. Yeah, we know, <laughs> we know. The main- it's always this like later part of the show where you're like, you told us fifty fucking yeah. times. We know already. <laughs> I know. Now the big issue here, Quinn, is that Dino Bravo and the Ultimate Warrior might cross Uh-oh. paths. Let's hope not. <laughs> Dino Bravo sucks. Like, why do they do this? Dino Bravo is an unsung hero. Why did they? No, don't even go there for it. Don't even threat. Next episode, season. No, next episode. No, don't. Finale. I'm not doing it. Dino Bravo. Horrible. Cut to last week where Bravo was innocently wrestling and the warrior just came out to kick his ass for fun. Because <sighs> Bravo sucks. Good. <laughs> I approve of this ass kicking. But then Earthquake charged out, jumped up and down, which I love when he does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no one. He just does it. And meanwhile, Bravo grabbed a chair from behind, nailed Warrior with it. Jesse, of course, all over this. He loves it. Back to Mean Gene for comments from both guys. So Bravo laughs and tells the Warrior to never stick his nose in his business. That I'm the most powerful man. He isn't. Earthquake bounces happily in the meantime. Warrior now says there's 28 other weak mortal beings for Dino Bravo to hide behind. And he should be lucky that the that he only stuck one small facial feature in his business. You should be glad I only stuck one small facial feature in your business. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Warrior's good. It was this. pretty witty from the Warrior. Warrior's excellent during this period of time. This is the run-up. This is yeah, like before the winning best the war before the world title. Like right before it, he's like at his peak. Yeah, pretty he's much so good. All of 89 until mm-hmm. winning the title. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Anyway, I'm not sure what the hell else he's talking about, but I'm fine with it. Gene now randomly says, uh, maybe Shawn Michaels and Martin Gennetti will have to face each other in the Rumble. Let's hope not. Yeah. Uh, but there's more. The Bushwhackers will take on the Rushos. That's fun. Why the hell not? It it's is a great, fun. It's a good match. It's fun. I like it. The submission match with no pins. Remember, there's no pins. No pins. You don't pin anyone in this match. Don't worry. They'll do it. They'll try anyway. Yeah. And of course, Brutus Beefcake versus the Genius. And now we mm-hmm. get a promo from the Genius with a fucking poem promo and his usual fuck a meter i have a little mixer but i need a house of fixer whatever like, <laughs> that's like shut up literally based like almost exactly the promo the brothers beverly <laughs> yeah and speaking of brothers the brother love show will be there with sensational sherry and sapphire top fucking tier that <laughs> that, that is like an all-timer so that one. And also gene with the blatant randy savage like he <laughs> just like he just drops it like someone blatant the manager of randy savage sherry like he just says it randy savage and of course quinn the aforementioned heroic Hacksaw versus so Boss Man. Matt. It's, very, very good. it's so good. Anyway, Hacksaw with a quick promo to say how he's not in the Rumble, but he's in a fight and he's got his two by four. Good. Two by four. Two by four. He got my two by four. Oh, yeah. Got my American flag. American flag. I like that in this promo, he's like explaining to like his fans. He's like, 
you know, I'm not going to be in the Royal Rumble, but don't worry. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, cute. I'm going to still have a match. All you little Duggins out there. All what, you little hacksaws. All you little hacksaws. Like, it's yeah, cute. it's like, he's just like softening the blow for like the little hacksaw fans out there. Just so they know that he'll be there. Don't worry. Yeah. Gina reminds us, Quinn, to order this right now. Contact your cable systems. Systems. It's very advanced. Or that weird device that Michael Willett was talking about. Did yeah. you see that on the board recently? With that little... That little, like, dongle? Yeah. Like a crack pipe or something. That's how you probably cheat the system. With crack? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to ringside for challenge, where Ted DiBiase and Virgil are entering the no ring. No music yet. No music. Black suit for DiBiase. His opponent, Jerry Monty. He looks very Monty. <laughs> He looks like someone you'd owe some Monty to with a racetrack. Doesn't he look like that that guy that uh, Petey Winston likes? Mosca. Angelo Mosca? He does not look like King. Jerry Monty kind of looks Angelo Mosca-esque. He has the bushy hair. Yeah, and he's kind of like tubby or whatever. Little tub. Yeah. Hmm. He's a little Angelo Mosca-esque. Maybe a baby Mosca. Jerry Mosca. Jerry Mosca. <laughs> That's his real name. That's his brother. Knee by DiBiase, some forearms, Irish whip, knee to the gut, throw to the outside. DiBiase follows after. Big right hand, some stomps on the floor, back in. Body slammed by DiBiase and a trademark trio of fist drops. Irish whip again, big backdrop, some stomps by DiBiase. Insert promo from Ted DiBiase. In his own match. <laughs> Why not? As he bitches about how people are accusing him of buying number 30 last year. There's extra security now. Million dollar dream. It's all over. Earl Hemner was a ref, if you care. And then DiBiase stuffs a C-note in uh, Monty's gullet. The full Monty. <laughs> there you go. It's a good j- Excellent. Because of the stripper aspect yeah. of yeah, it. Yeah, and the, it, all, it all works. That was very good, yeah. Quinn. Anyway, Sean Mooney eh, now joins us again from the event center. Ugh. He brings up how, you know, Ted DiBiase bought number 30 last year. Everyone needs to calm about that. They've, they've clearly taken care of the situation, right? <laughs> Just shut up. There's security now, okay. It's been a year. Yeah. He didn't win. Yeah, he didn't even win. What does it even matter? Big John Stud. Yeah, not even Hulk Hogan won. <laughs> Fucking Big John Stud. No reason. He didn't even do anything. He's not even here anymore. He won the Royal Rumble? Stupid. Here's, for no reason, here's Roddy Piper with like a Wizard of Oz I don't know promo. what this was. Oh, lions and tigers and bears, yeah. oh my! <laughs> I don't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> and then he has a poem. He's like Robin Williams with a kilt. Yeah, I swear to shit. He's crazy in this episode. God, anyway, Bad News Brown now chimes in to say the rumble is old hat. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah. Because, you know, they do this shit every week in Harlem. Also, fuck everyone else in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I just, I love him. Yeah, he's good. I like Bad News Brown. Jake Roberts now pontificates about, you know, my man, it can get nasty in there. Damien stinks. Fuji and his powers of pain were very happy. Ha ha. Warlord's like, we're getting enough. Everyone out and face each other. What happens, master? But what happens when we knock everybody out of the ring and it comes down to just barbarian and a warlord master? Oh, hey, man, play himself. <laughs> He's so jolly during this, Mr. Fuji. I know. I didn't realize, like, Fuji, even in, like, 90 here, where, like, the powers of pain are still around. Barely a thing, yeah. Yeah, and he's still kind of Fujiing it up every week. Just like, with them. Yeah. My powers of pain. Uh, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, by the rumble. Mooney tells us, make it a royal family affair. Shut up. <laughs> Was Princess Diana going to be there or something? <laughs> what is he talking? Royal family affair. Prince Charles won't want to be crowned in the royal rumble. <laughs> anyway, back to Mean Gene and Hillbilly, where, uh, 
Gene seems to be doing a little bit better. You know why? It's so he can bitch about the cable companies that have opted not to carry this what event. What was this extra like? They're like, we need to really stick it to them on this. Got an editorial here. Yeah. They did the same shit during the No Holds Barred pay-per-view. Yeah. Anyway, Gene wants to know where the fuck that moonshine is and what is in it. Jim says, oh, it's an old family recipe, but I'm going to make I'm gonna make you something for your hangover. We then talk about football games. What? Hillbilly's like, you know, well, how'd you do? And Gene's like, oh, I lost my pants. Between the football games and whatever Granny uh, turned me on to there on, on New Year's Eve. Uh, football games. Uh, how'd you do in the football games? You had to ask, didn't you? Tell you the truth, I lost my pants, Hillbilly Jim. We panned out. I can't even... I can't even believe they went this far. Like, I thought that would just be the end after that comment, right? And then this is what they do. We see Gene legitimately not wearing pants. That's real. Yeah. They I, went through that effort. I feel like the giant cane should pull him off the stage. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? I feel like it should pull both of them off. Yeah. Or, like, just booze and then, like, tomatoes start being thrown out. Okay, bye. We got to go. And they're, like, getting chased off the set. great. But anyway, that's it. And you know what? I loved it. I loved it. It was a perfect snapshot for this period of time. Early 90, great period of time. Nice hype show for the Rumble. Just fun in general. Yep. Like Joe said, great snapshot. Uh, Gene was Gene, and it was fantastic. It was, it was fantastic. And folks, thank you guys for sticking around here as we have romped you through the world of retro wrestling. Next week is the finale, episode 240. And before we get to next week, just a quick reminder of a couple of things. If you have Apple Podcasts, iTunes, please leave us a review. It just does help us out. I don't know all the math and algorithms, but I know that it helps. Right. So if you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. If you want extra content, including all the pay-per-view reviews and the 84 Canon, head on over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Try it for the rest of September. That's my suggestion. Just see what you think. And if you don't like it, just cancel. But Quinn, we will be back next week, right? It yeah. is the finale. Dino Bravo, unsung hero. Stop. Definitely. Don't even. All right, we'll see what happens. But anyway, folks, thank you guys so much for being with us here. Obviously, we will be back next week, the 20th, for our finale. Until that time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But until that time, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Right now, let's hear from some more of the combatants, beginning with Rowdy Roddy Piper. We're talking lions and tigers and bears. <sighs> talking January 21st, Orlando Royal Rumble. <gasps> Ever since I've been this high, I've been rumbling to eat. Ever since I've been this high, I've been rumbling on the street. Now you've got the cream of the crop. Every two minutes, one comes in till all 30 is there, or who's ever left? That's the bad part, or who's ever left? You see, when it comes to the jungle, I am the king of the Royal Rumble. Will you stop? stop.